This episode of Tales from the Backlog is brought to you by listeners like you. Some personal heroes of mine like Chris Nelson, the Top 3 Podcast Crew, Zolgeek, Colby Moyer, Eric Guess, Rick Firestone, Jill, Kieran, ZNA, Cupcake, Kyle, Christian S., and many more have all gone to patreon.com slash Jackson. kicked me a few bucks to help support the shows. I appreciate all of you very much, and everyone else listening, you can be like them too. You too can be a hero in my eyes. Once again, that's patreon.com slash Jackson. Any and all support in any form is always appreciated. On to the show. Hello, everybody. My name is Dave Jackson, and you're listening to Tales from the Backlog, a video games review podcast where each week I'm joined by a guest to talk about a game we played. However, today I'm joined by two wonderful guests. They're friends of the show, Outlaws on the Run from the Law, and hosts of the Low Five Gaming Podcast, Alex and Luke. Welcome to the show. Hey, hey, hey Dave. Thanks for having us. Sir. Got them Low Five boys. Welcome. Yes, sir. Ah, it's great to be here, man. We're excited. Hey there, partner. Easy <laughs> there. <laughs> Today, we're going to be talking about Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, but before we get into talking about that game, um, I do want to turn it over to you guys and just explain what Lo-Fi Gaming is for the uninitiated. Yeah, so Lo-Fi Gaming is a podcast that uh, Luke and I do. We're brothers. And yeah, it's a gaming podcast. Backlog Book Club, if you will. You got anything to say? That nails that? it. It was either it was either we became internet rappers or we got a podcast. It was necessary to do one of the two, so we we chose podcast. Good, uh, good. More the, achievable, I think. Yeah. More, okay, I was going to say the jury's wheelhouse. still out on whether you made the right choice or not, but right. I think we'll <laughs> the show is real good. Um, it's a it's a monthly book club, so kind of unlike you know my show where it's a different game every week, and so people could I mean. You could play along with this show if you're really fast and have a ton of free time. But uh, what I like about Low Five is, you know, it's a monthly show. I wish there was more. But the fact that it is just once a month means that when you announce your game, I'm like, okay, I've got a whole month to play. Uh, Just a couple days ago, you guys dropped your episode on Celeste. So if you want to play along with Celeste, you got a month to do it and then listen to the episode. I dig it. Exactly. Yeah. So that was, uh, I mean, that's partially, I I have so much respect for for you and a, a lot of other podcasts out there that do the do the weeklies. I, I love uh, <laughs> I love digesting, taking all that content in. Mm-hmm. But as far as putting out the content, it's uh, you know we got we got things going on. But it's um, it allows us to really go a deep dive on whatever game it is. We always try and beat the game, uh, and that that sometimes works. Some, yeah, sometimes <laughs> that works. Sometimes it doesn't. But uh, but yeah, and it's also you know it's always great. We've got a Discord going, and we invite folks to join us in there. And uh, if people are willing and able to to kind of come along for the journey. It kind of just makes it more fun for us and, um, you know, a little bit more community aspect around the whole deal. Really, yeah. really pushing that book club vibe. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. Um, I think uh, you guys just announced that by by the time this episode comes out, your episode will probably be out too, but The Witcher 3 is next up in the book club. So if people want to go back and listen to The Witcher 3 episode, we'll play the entire game. I'll play all of The Witcher 3 and all the DLCs. <laughs> yeah. Every and last then go. Every last quest. All mm-hmm. the contracts. Every question mark. <laughs> no, oh, no man. Gwent, no Gwent. 
You, you're such a clown, dude. You gotta play Gwent. You gotta <laughs> play Gwent. <laughs> yeah, Gwent's part of the book club, unfortunately, or fortunately for people like me. Um, so yeah, I, I really recommend people check out Low Five. Um, you guys did a cool thing back in the last summer. Um, you did a little education series on the show and how games can be used in education and talking about identity and stuff like that. I really dug that stuff too. So it's a show that I listen to every time it comes out, and I recommend it right here at the top of the show, and we'll talk about it again a little bit later. So today, like I said, we're going to talk about Red Dead Redemption 2, which is a Western-themed action-adventure game developed and published by Rockstar Games for contemporary consoles in 2018. And we got some elevator pitches. If you're not familiar with Red Dead Redemption 2, I am calling this Cowboy Simulator 2018 with uh, one of the best stories in gaming. Just a little, little extra there. Great story. How about you guys? You want to go first, bud? Oh, sure. An exquisitely crafted fishing and hunting simulator that happens to have a surprisingly <laughs> compelling side quest about a cowboy and his band of outlaws. <laughs> Man, I should have went first. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. So I, I said it's uh, Rockstar's best game in one of the most immersive games of all time and has one of gaming's best protagonists to date. Correct. I cannot disagree with anything you guys just said there. For me, this game took me 55 hours to beat my first time. That includes a little light hunting, fishing, side activities. Um, It's a long story. If you just mainline the story, I'm guessing it's going to take about 40 hours or so. But I kind of feel like if you like this game a lot, it's going to take you longer because you are going to dig into some of that side stuff. So 55 hours, my first time. Um, I played about 15 hours to brush up over the last month or so. How about you guys? Do you know how long this game took you? Yeah, I do. Um, so I played on Steam. So I was checking my Steam hours. And when we we played this game for our podcast back in May, so it came out in May. So we would have started no it came out in June. So we would have started in May. And I'll tell you what, a, a month to play Red Dead is you're really getting it in if you finish in a month. Uh-huh. Uh, so I did <laughs> in that month before our pod, I got about 32 ish hours into the game, which was about halfway through, to be honest. Um, there were some big story beats that I didn't even get to talk about. So I'm really excited today mm-hmm. <laughs> for, for the whole discussion, but then to be able to, to blow by that spoiler wall later <laughs> and yeah. talk a little bit of, uh, about some things I didn't get to talk about in our podcast, but 32 hours. And then it, t- I pretty much doubled that. I kept playing after we, after we cut our pod, uh, our pod on, on red dead. And to date, I have roughly 80 hours on the game. That's 100% completion on the story and about 89% completion of the the entirety of the game. So there's still still a good chunk of things for me to do, side quests and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm about 80 hours, 80 hours on my playthrough, I suppose. Uh, I do this thing where I cheat every time we do an RPG <laughs> on our podcast. And like I tell Alex about it when I'm already like 20, 30 hours into the game, the prior month <laughs> cheating on him and his game. Nice. Uh, so with Red Dead, I was playing for a hot minute, and then I believe it was my, sig- Your my selection. Thing, yeah. Or my selection for the month, as right, far right. as we always trade off. Um, but anyway, so I did a full full go of it. It was probably somewhere in the 70, 80 hours, and that was my second full time through the game. I played it upon mm-hmm. release in uh, 2018, and everybody at my work was playing it. So I know I got pretty in-depth, and it was full full 70 80 hours so i probably put at least 150 hours in the game total it's pretty wild nice yeah i was late to the party on this one because i you know i only played it just last year for the first time you didn't have any type of high-powered console back then this is true so you were real jealous on the side yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
we both played uh, Red Dead One together back in uh, back when that dropped. I guess on the PlayStation Two, no, two or three. Zone three, three, three. Yeah, right, right. Uh, back when uh, we were living in our parents' basement. <laughs> yeah, I'd <laughs> wake up to go to high school and Al would be like <laughs> going to bed. He's like, "Dude, I did so much shit." I'm like, "You can tell me when I get home from school." <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's good. I, I also played Red Dead Redemption uh, back when it released because back then I was a huge fan of the Grand Theft Auto games. So like the Grand Theft Auto, but Western was a huge draw for me. Um, now I'm not really a fan of Grand Theft Auto, but the fact that I loved Red Dead Redemption one so much was uh, like a, a key reason for me to pick up this game. I didn't get it when it first released because I didn't have a I didn't have a PS4 at the time. But uh, when I did get a PS4, this was um, it was one that went on the wish list like kind of right away. But I I heard all the people kind of shitting on it. Like I heard more of the negative side of the criticisms for this game than like the positive back then. So I didn't buy it for a while. I waited till it was on like a. It actually went on PS Now uh, back then. So I I played it when it went on there. I was like, all right, it's time. But yeah, uh, so you guys, so Luke, you played it when it first came out. And then Alex, when did you jump into this for the podcast for the first yeah, time? Yeah, so it would have been June, uh, so last summer. Right on. So this is a good uh, transition to get in some opening thoughts here. And um, I'm, I should have played this earlier. This is one of my favorite games ever. I think in the uh, the fall, I did one of those like quick, not so serious, but kind of serious, like top twenty five games of all time list. And this was like in my top ten. I fucking love this game. I love almost everything that it's trying to do and the criticisms that I've heard about the game, about the gameplay just do not jive with my experience with it. And it's, it's, it's divisive in that way, but I find myself so far on the side of like, this is exactly what I want. This shit is for me. And I know we'll talk about the story and stuff later, but one of my big takeaways here is that I'm kind of sad that Rockstar is like, not going to remaster Red Dead Redemption 1. They're probably, I don't know if they're even going to make a new Red Dead Redemption game. They're all in on GTA and that just makes me sad. But this game yeah, rules. What do you guys maker, think? Uh, we recently, uh, we did a top 10 recently and it was anointed in our top fives respectively. Yeah, Maybe five for each of yeah. us. Um, so we're on the same page there. The discourse I remember about the game before it came out was just that the testicles of the horses would shrink right, in cold the weather. horse testicles. So, yeah. <laughs> And everything was positive when I first played it. Um, but there are like some legit criticisms that I don't mind too much. But like the game offers so much mm-hmm. that it kind of just overcomes any one. Like the sum of its parts in the like what you said in your elevator pitch. Like the fact that if you look at it as just a simulation, it's just absolutely amazing. You can pick apart little pieces, but all together, it's just a delicious, delicious treat. Yep. Yeah, I missed the zeitgeist on it on launch. So it's uh, for me... I probably heard some rumblings about that type of thing, but didn't really pay too much close attention. Uh, and but by, by the time I got around to playing it, it's, I mean, a lot of people consider this to be one of the best games of all time. So I kind of mm-hmm. had that in the back of my back of my mind going into it. So I knew it would be good. Luke has he constantly makes fun of me because anytime <laughs> anytime I have a game that I'm really enjoying, I'm like, oh, dog, this is like one of the best games ever. Top it's like <laughs> top ten for sure, which was kind of the impetus for for forcing me to do a top ten list. But there was there was not a chance that Red Dead Redemption Two wasn't going to be in that list because it's it deserves that you know it's I think it's, I don't was it top three for me it was in top five for sure it's it's great for what it's worth I would have the first playthrough I would have said I liked Red Dead Redemption One better 
But by the second mm-hmm. time I played through it, I was like, it's not even a chance. Like Red Dead 1 is Cowboy GTA, and then Red Dead yeah. 2 is just its elevated, graduated, brand new thing that's just wild. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Let's uh, let's listen to a little music. When we come back, we'll dig into the story. Did I hear a thunder? Did I hear you pray? So in Red Dead Redemption 2, this is a prequel to the original Red Dead Redemption. Weird naming convention, but it is a prequel. So if you played Red Dead Redemption 1, you kind of know where the end point of this is, kind of. I'm not sure if we'll get into too much about Red Dead Redemption 1, but you know that game came out a long time ago. I'm not going to spoil how that game ends, but kind of the beginning of it is the ending of this game, or a little bit after. In this game, you play as Arthur Morgan, who's voiced by Roger Clark, a member of a gang of outlaws led by Dutch Vanderlind, who's voiced by Benjamin Byron Davis. And I, I don't always shout out voice actors on this show, but the voice acting in this game is so fucking good. I got to say their names. Um, Roger Clark, Benjamin Byron Davis, other notable gang members that you may recognize from Red Dead Redemption 1, Bill Williamson, Javier Escuela, and the protagonist from the first game, John Marston, who's voiced by Rob Wheathoff. I'm hoping I'm saying his name right. But yeah, that is the setup. And I just want to camp out here because we have a new protagonist in here, one who is not in Red Dead Redemption 1. So Arthur, as a character, I think one of you guys said it in your elevator pitch or your your opening thoughts there, one of the best game protagonists of all time. Uh, first off, just say that I agree with you, but then I'll turn it over to you guys to expound upon that. Yeah, so that was me. And <clears throat> it's, it's kind of funny because when I first started playing Red Dead 2, uh, I, like Luke mentioned earlier, we really, you know, enjoyed our time with Red Dead one and I really liked John, uh, Marston, you, you know, previously he was, you know, one of my favorite characters. And so entering this game, mind you, it's a prequel. I was, um, uh, I was a little bitter that I wasn't starting off with John and I was like, this mm-hmm. is stupid. I don't want to learn this new guy. Or that he's <laughs> kind of a wiener. <laughs> John Marston himself is just kind of a wiener from the get and you're like, Oh, uh-huh. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that because you're gonna you have to go like save him in the snow or something like that up in the mountains right off? The yeah, road, right? yeah, one of gaming's one of your first miss- missions yeah. is to go uh, go help <laughs> yeah. him out. Yeah, right. So I, I mean, like I was just like I don't know. I was entering the game and I was like, oh man, I gotta learn this new guy. Like I was kind of into John, mind you. He, did, he was kind of when you're right. He was a little, a little bit weird in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> some wolves. Just, that's how he gets his scar. Spoiler. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. I just I wasn't ready for it though, and you know it took me a little bit to to warm up to Arthur, and you know that. By the end, though, it's, you know, he's one of the best. It's, you know, I really resonated with him. I really enjoyed him. And, um, yeah, I have, I have more to say about it a little bit later on, but he's, yeah. he's fantastic, fantastic character. Yeah. Note on your voice acting, like I'm being polite because we're guests here, but like if Alex had to read that intro about the voice acting, I would have done like five, like, well, I don't know, Dutch. Let's <laughs> <laughs> cut him off like seven times. Uh, and that was like upon playing on launch, like, the voice acting is amazing and it's also a ton of fun to in, like make fun of and like imitate, but it is absolutely amazing. Like we were oh, running yeah. around just being like there and like as a teacher, <laughs> kids are yelling at me. I'm like, it's all right. It's <laughs> and they have no right. idea what's going on, but we're just like, <laughs> yeah. we're just clowning. And it was like, 
Arthur is a he's a ton of fun. You can mold him to some degree uh, mm-hmm. as far as how he is to other people and how the world reacts to you. But like the way I play Arthur, he's one of the coolest protagonists ever. Yeah, yeah. I have a hard time being approaching a any game that allows you to to like <laughs> that has morality scale, like being a bad person. Like some people just run with it and they really lean into like being a terrible person. I, it's just not in me. I can't do it. I've tried. No, <laughs> just, I gotta be a good guy all the time. My Arthur's got some daddy Arthur vibes. Just taking uh-huh. care of everyone, being stern. I don't know. Well, they they put you in a position at the beginning of the game where Arthur is real eager to get his hands dirty and do all this dirty work, you know, money collecting and stuff like that. So it's easy to lean into that, especially if you really dig Grand Theft Auto. And mm-hmm. if you liked the first Red Dead Redemption game, they start you out with a bunch of missions where you're like, you're robbing trains, you're beating the shit out of people for their money. You are doing all kinds of dirty work and Arthur's there for it. So you start right. out the game with that kind of mentality on the subject of the uh you know the the imitations i do walk around the house just talking to myself just going oh sure sure all the time so (laughs) i'm with you there and money's pretty scarce at the beginning of this game too so it's like all the more reason just to to get that change doing hard rat shit with my friends yeah yeah (laughs) it's um kind of along the lines of what's going on at the beginning of the game so at the beginning your gang arthur dutch and everybody are kind of struggling to survive. You're on the run after a botched heist in a town called Blackwater. Uh, you're up in the mountains. It's cold. You you find kind of an abandoned little settlement there. You hunker down, but things are not great. John gets hurt. People uh, people have died on the way. And the gang is kind of reckoning and realizing that society is moving on without them. Um the age of the outlaws coming to an end. So people are getting more civilized. Towns are getting more civilized. Um, they decide that they just need to collect enough money to retire for good. And that's that's what's going on at the beginning of the game. They Dutch has a plan. Yeah, he's pretty, <laughs> I have a plan. He, he has a plan. plan. Just need a little bit of trust yeah. and oh, man. we just need to get some money and then we'll lay low and that is the plan Dutch. at the beginning of the game but um i played red dead redemption one you guys both did not how it goes so no. the, the the joy of this um and kind of one of the interesting parts of the story is seeing how that happens it's one of the cool parts about prequels especially if you like the the original thing that comes after the prequel story. So I, I really dug this. I agree. And then the, you know, coming from, I think a big part of red dead one is that you kind of touched on it, but this idea that the, the American West, like this idea that you can go out and make a life for yourself is, is dying or it's almost dead in that game. So it's really interesting to, to bring it back in a prequel and you get to see more of that, more of what shaped John and then, you know, really see the, you know, how the gang is struggling out there to try and to be outlaws in a world that really isn't accepting outlaws anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also there's cool social commentary as far as like what it even means to be civilized or advanced when especially when you get to um, Santini, which is their saint or their saint. Uh, oh, no, no, not saint, uh, New, New Orleans. Orleans yeah. New Orleans. Yeah. Like, there's a bunch of factory smoke in the sky. And Arthur's is like, this is gross. This mm-hmm. sucks. I want my wide <laughs> open skies. And it's yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's um it's interesting. There's there's social commentary on, you know, the civilized folk versus the the country folk. There's there's commentary on uh, the treatment of Native Americans, there's commentary yeah. on industry, there's all kinds of social commentaries going on too. Um I I really like how some of the side characters that you talk to also kind of 
flesh out what the world was like, like what people are doing, what kind of discoveries are being made back at that time. There's, you know, you talk to scientists, you talk to paleontologists who are out discovering stuff and you, you talk to them and you're like, oh, that's right. You know, early 1900s, uh, they're looking for dinosaur bones. There's a lot of shit to be found out there. Yeah. So yeah. really all that stuff kind of fleshes out this world that you're living in. It's real cool. And fairly interactive as well, as far as like some of your weightier decisions do get played out mm-hmm. in the environment and even some of the side stuff. But I don't know if you want to talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, maybe later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this game story is told through a lot of cutscenes and lots and lots of conversations while riding across the countryside on horseback. That is the main vehicle for storytelling is one of those two things, kind of riding and talking and cutscenes again lots of dutch yelling now everybody i have a plan i tried to get my voice to crack the way he does but it's so Gotta good smoke some cigars um, first <laughs> just need to trust me um and i, I just want to shout out some of the presentation here in these cutscenes. Uh, number one i think the facial capture is real good there's not a lot of like uncanny valley a lot of the moments and the um kind of the emotions and stuff that are happening in these cutscenes are real, really sold by the facial capture and the voice acting. And Dutch is kind of emblematic of that because of how charismatic and um, kind of gregarious he is. And the way that it's presented through the cutscenes, the the facial capture and everything is so goddamn good. It really is. I was poking around YouTube last night, actually, and there's a, I can't remember which content creators are putting these out there, but essentially there's someone that has compiled all of the cutscenes from the game and it's like 19 hours. 19 uh-huh. hours of cutscenes. <laughs> That's a lot of cutscenes. You don't yep. really, I didn't like feel that while I was playing because it's integrated so well, mm-hmm. but that's, you know, that's a lot of cinematic. Yeah. And um, one of the things about it is that, like, you know, if you're getting tired of, story stuff and a bunch of cutscenes, you can always just go fuck off into the wilderness and go hunting for 15 <laughs> or 20 hours or go fishing or do bounties or any number of side activities that you can do. And then when you're ready to go progress the story again, you know exactly who you need to go talk to. Um, it's marked really clearly which missions are going to progress the story. And that's where you're going to get a bunch of cutscenes and stuff like that. So um, I just wanted to shout out kind of the presentation in those. And again, the voice acting is so good across the board. We talked about Dutch, Arthur, uh, John Marston, but, you know, I I also wanted to shout out uh, the voice actor for Hosea, who's kind of the the older person in your group, uh, voiced by another name I'm going to fuck up, Curzon Dobell, and Sadie, who's a woman you meet real early in the game, voiced by Alex McKenna. Um, anyone else that you want to shout out voice acting wise? No, it's pretty much the whole gang. So yeah, I can't <laughs> think all of good. anybody else that really <laughs> sticks out. Um, yeah, cause it is, it's immersive in the sense where like some games, the voice acting is not so great in this one. It's just, you really feel the quality throughout. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. never game breaking that it's like some crappy NPC dialogue, like even the villains and everything, it always feels good. They do a really good job, too, of taking the the dialogue and the, just the cutscenes themselves and then weaving it into like the, the cutscene will end, but the dialogue might continue. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so the the dialogue might continue and which I just think is like a cool it's another immersive piece of this game, I guess. And it like makes those cutscenes make more sense. Whereas sometimes you get in some games, you get this idea where it's like, OK, like here's the gameplay. 
got a cutscene and it's just totally different and it pulls you out of that a little bit. So like having that like woven in there, it's it just really like hammers in the fact that like you're playing this game, you're like really in it. When you're walking through town or on your horseback with people, like the conversations mm-hmm. you're having like can be really cool. Yeah. There's there's tons and tons of incidental dialogue around like like you said, when you're walking around town, you hear NPCs talking to each other, conversations that you could play the entire game and not hear, but the quality of the voice acting and the writing and everything is still there for them. Um, conversations when you're rock- walking around camp, just kind of drinking yeah. your coffee, talking to everybody in camp, overhearing people badgering each other, or, yeah. <laughs> you know, working on something together. It's it's just, there's so much of it and it's all really high quality and it's something that we may talk about like throughout this episode is how much stuff there is. And the one like criticism of the game that I do have time to hear, like that I do kind of abide by is there is a lot and there was a real like human cost to making this game. There was a ton of crunch, um, like widely publicized that, there's a lot of stuff where it's like, yeah, this is really fucking good, but you know, it took someone hours to create those incidental dialogues that some people are never going to hear. It took hours for people to animate those horse testicles. Yeah. Shrinking in the say, cold. Somebody didn't yeah. get to sleep because they needed those horse testicles to be weather yeah. accurate. Yeah. Right. Someone missed their kid's <laughs> birthday party. Right. Uh, so there, there is like the human side of that too. So like, I want to acknowledge that while also acknowledging the credit of the work they did do is all it's really really good right and i think one thing that can really pull me out of a game is if the npcs say the same thing all the time or if you go up and they just repeat dialogue uh and in this like that really doesn't happen which is which is crazy they all have a pretty wild daily schedule um like they walk a certain path and they do things and they interact and it's just considering the like how many npcs there are like that's insane yeah um and they go through a good amount of like i'm not gonna say forcing you to acknowledge it or respect it but like in camp you have to walk like they're like no you're gonna hear the banter and like they make you do the parties Um, parties are always kind of fun (laughs) the first time i played i hated those parties but like the second time i played i had a lot more time to play and i was like these parties are really cool and the characters just felt more fleshed out and like i just had more time for it it was less video gamey i should say sure Mm -hmm. like almost like sometimes you're in such a video gamey mood that you're like yep 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 i want to shoot some stuff and then the second time i played it i had a lot more time for just like hearing people argue for 10 minutes. And then I'm like, well, that was funny. <laughs> yeah. that That's actually something that I really appreciated. Again, my second time playing the game too, as it relates to the story, you know, I enjoyed those parties a little bit more and I enjoyed the story beats because you know how it is when you're playing a, a game that has, or, you know, watching a movie or a TV show that has tons of uh, foreshadowing and kind of planting the seeds for what's going to happen later. And one thing that I really appreciated playing the second time is it starts right from the beginning that the way things are going to go, once you know how it goes, they've been building it up the whole time. Yeah. And it's not just a surprise like, okay, we've got your big decision at the end of the game. Pick what side you're on. Like they've been building up what's going on and like the the final type of decisions that you're going to make the whole time. And so I appreciated the story, really loved it the first time. The second time, I love it even more because I can see the work that they did to build up to where it's going. Yeah. You can see like distrust forming or Mm -hmm. like deterioration of different relationships throughout the camp or even the tightening of other relationships, like in 
splintering, I guess is the word for it. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's really cool to observe. You're right. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that this game's story to kind of just get into some, some thoughts about like the story itself. I think the story succeeds at both of the things that it's trying to do here. Number one, we're trying to set up Red Dead Redemption 1 because this is a prequel. And I think it does a good job of that, really good job of uh, building up John's character to the point where he was at the beginning of Red Dead Redemption 1. But also telling Arthur's story is one of my favorite protagonist stories um, in games. He has so much character development throughout the game that it's really hard I couldn't imagine getting to the end of this game and like not loving Arthur. Yeah. Especially when you're around like beating up racists. Yeah. <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> so like, yeah, he's, yeah. What do you got? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like I was saying earlier, like I did, I wasn't ready to embrace Arthur just cause for whatever reason, but it, like you say, Dave, it's, it's impossible not to really, to really feel for him and really feel for the decisions he's making or that you're making for him. And, he he really becomes I mean it's quite special. Um and I think there's a lot of stuff that plays into it. I think it's you know the fact that the uh that you do have a morality meter and you get to make certain decisions for him but just because the story's you know it's a pretty it's a really well done story and I think by the end um you know it's it's called Red Dead Redemption, right? And you mm-hmm. really you really are trying to redeem yourself by the end of this game. You get to put your own imprint on as simple as like mm-hmm. how you dress and like shave him to his hair. <laughs> like that makes like my Arthur is going to be different than other people's to some degree. And it gives you that mm-hmm. ownership, but at the same time, like pretty clearly defined character. Um, I kind of like that combination there. Yeah, I've never played a game. I think, or at least, I mean, I, I, I guess I have, but like there's never going to, I've never played a game where I felt so strongly about a protagonist that wasn't, like me if that makes sense so like yeah in skyrim you create your character and you kind of it's easy to embody that right it's like a dungeons and dragons type of thing um but in this like it it is a you know it's a third person view and you know the character exists it's arthur but you really play into to the role play of it all right like luke mm-hmm. mentions like you know you you go shave or whatever like if my hair is starting to get shaggy as arthur i'll, I'll make a trip to the to the barber shop and i'll, I'll mm-hmm. get a you know shave and a trim Take him into town, give him a bath when he's when he's been rolling around in the mud right. too much. Exactly, and it's you know you really I don't know it's it's it was a very interesting experience for me because I don't think I've ever cared I've never like encap I've never embodied myself so heavily into a character that wasn't created by me. And he's more relatable yeah. than someone like Geralt or Riviera. Like Geralt's a super cool character, but I can't really like see myself mm. being. <laughs> a witcher yeah yeah i can't see myself being a witcher although they both share lots of grunts and uh uh-huh. quiet understandings about the world and musings but so they, yeah. they do have some weird parallels but for the most part <laughs> brooding male pa- protagonists right and this game does a a great job of making arthur seem like a human right yeah for better and yeah. worse yep you uh so like like we mentioned the the title of the game is red dead redemption and that to the degree that the redemption arc goes is kind of up to you about like how far you want to take that. Um, you can be an asshole right all the way to the end. And the last decision you make um, can be a, a terrible one. Um, or you can obviously go for more of that redemption arc. But one of the things I like about this kind of setup for Arthur's story is that it's not just those big moments that where you're making decisions Um, There are so many small character moments and like quiet conversations that don't really, 
they're not super like plot important. They're just two people talking to each other about the state of things um, where you start to see where Arthur's mind is starting to go. And then you, when you get to those big story moments, you get the choice to actually follow through on that or to, you know, keep busting heads, keep being a dick, be selfish, all that stuff. Yeah. And so unfortunately, despite two playthroughs, I've never seen the other side because I just can't, you just just can't can't be a douche. I just can't do it. (laughs) Yeah. Same. Same. So this, um, this, this is just, you know, in kind of in summary here about the story, it's just one of my favorite video game stories of all time. It's one of my favorite protagonists. It's one of my favorite supporting casts of all time. It is just so head and shoulders above anything else that Rockstar has done, including Red Dead Redemption 1, which I think has a great protagonist and a great story and a great supporting cast. Um, it's It just kind of like, makes me sad. Like I said, at the beginning, that as I think forward, like they're working on GTA six and they're going to continue working on GTA six for the next 15 fucking years. So I, I just don't think we're going to get something like this from them. And I know they have it in them now. And that kind of makes me sad, but I'll always have this. This is just great. I disagree. They'll definitely come back to the world. It feels like, it feels like they're classier and more proud presentation as a studio. Like they like GTA but like GTA's commentary is so much more like juvenile. And I think like, they like yeah. the money GTA makes. It's hard to argue with I those numbers. They, I think Red Dead <laughs> yeah. makes a ton as well, though. So like, I bet they come back simply because there is capitalistic opportunity to it, and it does feel it's weird to say, but it feels like more of a passion project of theirs. It's just so much more elevated and classy, and like, yeah, uh, yeah, it's like it's their higher brow. It's their top yeah. shelf liquor. They're going to make more of the middle to bottom shelf liquor, but it's their top <laughs> shelf stuff. It's not that guarma rum. It's not, it's yeah. not that guarma rum. <laughs> That's a good point. I, I yeah. can see them returning for that, but unfortunately, it's just not going to be anytime soon. It's going to so, be on the P- PlayStation 6, but you're going to get it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, That's a good point uh, for people who maybe if you didn't play this game and you played Grand Theft Auto, because who hasn't played GTA 5 at this point? Um, Me. <laughs> okay somehow <Fair> <laughs> honestly <laughs> i mean i played a good chunk of it i haven't beat it though okay um there is like a small amount of that juvenile gta humor in this game Certainly. small amount you will to the point where when you come across it it's kind of jarring because everything else is so grounded and mature than um the type of shit you get into in a GTA game or the type of NPCs that you meet in a GTA game. So it is there, it's just much less. gave it a nod earlier dave but the you know how slow red dead redemption 2 is like they really slow down like like a good juxtaposition is gta 5 um so i've i I made a joke that i haven't played i have played it but i hadn't you know i'm only about a third of the way i haven't beat it i'm about a third of the way through um Mm -hmm. but i you know i started playing it after a playthrough of gta 4 which i really enjoyed which is a bit of a controversial take 
But one thing that really irked me about going from four to five is how arcadey the, the car driving was. Cause All I really, physics. you know, and, and there's other opinions out there, which I respect, but my, <laughs> my opinion on the, on the, I just really loved the car control that I had. They felt heavy in GTA four, right? They've, you know, you, I really got into drifting. I had a lot of fun, like just controlling the car, right? And like being able to drive around. And I think that's what I, that was one thing I really loved about that game. So when I went into five, I was like, what is this? This is like playing Need for Speed and, you know, like some of the, some of the newer Need for Speeds. Like it, it wasn't for me. It's, it's fun. There's a place for it. But, uh, the reason I bring it up is because in Red Dead Redemption, like it is nothing like that. Like it's not even like GTA four. Like you're, you're either walking, you can, you can jog and make some, make some movements or whatever as your character. But then if you really want to, you know, get around, you got to ride your horse and the horse isn't even that fast, really. Yeah. It's, this is the like, Number one lightning rod for criticism, other than the crunch for Red Dead Redemption 2, is the gameplay. So, like you said, it is slow and it is deliberate. That's the main thing, like the main word that I, I come out of it with is deliberate. The game wants you to slow down, take, take in everything around you, and really like kind of role play what you're doing instead of doing like instead of just rapidly doing a bunch of video game actions. So the the main thing for me on this point is the animations of everything you do. You've got bespoke button prompts for everything. You want to pick out you want to bend down and pick up a carrot, you got a button prompt that says hold down X to pick up this carrot. Uh, you want to loot a shelf, you got to hold down X to open the drawer and then reach in and grab the stuff. Um, you want to skin an animal, it's it's a long animation for skinning the animal. Um, all these animations are really, really good, by the way, like top shelf, best in class animations, but they're so slow. They take so long to play out that it's a huge point of criticism. So I kind of have a feeling how you guys feel because you both love the game, but what do you, what did you think? Or what was maybe your initial reaction to these animations and all these actions taking so much longer than they take in like literally every other game. So on one hand, I enjoy sitting in camp and slowly drinking my coffee and then having spoonful of spoonful of stew before I mm-hmm. go on to do my hood rat shit. But on the <laughs> other side, I just smirked a minute ago because I had a flashback of sprinting at full speed on my horse and then running into a <laughs> sapling tree and going flying 20 feet and then like slowly getting up and then my horse and then I was just like, I need to get to the point now how many trees I hit with my horse and they don't just let me blow past <laughs> things. And it's almost like you're a magnet for like trees when you're trying to go off the beaten path. And yeah, mm-hmm. you hit a stump and you go flying and it, yeah, it takes definitely. forever to get up and you're smacking the button and it's not going to get you any faster. But you're like, this is a video game after all. Like, let me get on this goddamn horse. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is absurd when you think about it. Like. <laughs> You try to, you know, gallop as fast as possible through through some thick woods. Yeah. It's, but, you know, I always find myself trying to do it, though. Yeah, way, way too much. <laughs> this this deeply ingrained video game shit to mash the button to try and get up so you can get on your way and do your next, uh, you know, loot your next body or whatever you're trying to do. Right. And you met, you mentioned mash the button. And when you are riding your horse in this game, uh, you actually, so you, it's like rhythmic, right? So the more rhythmic in the, what you are with hitting X or whatever you're, you know, whatever controller you're using, like the, the more your like horse will gallop faster. And you like, it's just kind of a cool thing where it's like, oh man, like instead of just holding down the acceleration or whatever, you're, you feel like you're actually helping that horse gallop along. 
And for the most visually stunning game and environment that I've ever seen, you do spend like 75% of the time looking at the fucking mini map. So that's a problem oh. too. It's good. That is a, that is <laughs> a Rockstar Games and a mini map issue that is in this game too. Yeah, for sure. It is interesting though, because I, I, I don't disagree. I just stare at that thing. I actually, um, so I, I played this game on one, I played on PC and uh, when I did my playthrough, I just had the the two monitors, so I just played on the one. But now I have a three monitor setup, which is excessive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's but it's fun. And uh, but there's certain games, and this game in particular, I've noticed I don't love spanning across the the three screens. It looks really awesome, but there's just so much going on, and then the uh, the HUD's not great. So <laughs> I did find some ways to tweak that, but like. Mm-hmm. I was, essentially i was turning my head way over to the left to like look at the, oh, the yeah. mini map <laughs> and it, it just but you know the they do have a couple settings for that mini map where you can change it to just a compass uh you can make it smaller mm-hmm. or larger so they they do offer the chance to to not lean on it as heavy but when you've got a map that's so expansive and you are essentially running a fetch quest or something i mean you, you're gonna look at the map yeah so did you guys find yourselves um kind of slowing down to the pace of this game with all the animations and the actions that you're doing, or was it something that bothered you? For me, I would say that uh, off the bat, it, because I wasn't used to it, I was kind of like, oh man, with, especially walking around in camp because I wanted to run. Like I was like, oh, what's that all about? Uh, but then <laughs> You're not over part time, of the turbo team. You can't run. Yeah, <laughs> right. Or, or you can't shoot your guns in camp either, which I was like, come <laughs> on, but it makes sense, I guess. <laughs> but uh but yeah so it it took me a little bit but once you once you hit that groove and you get used to it it, it it's really nice it, it really brings you into the game i think first time through i lived with it and i got over it and i thought it was fine second time through i was in a very different point of my life where like i was finishing grad school and still working full time so like just dicking around and taking 20 minutes to go fishing actually felt amazing Mm-hmm. So like when I really leaned into it and like just took my time on everything, it, it's a different experience than I've had in any other game. Versus yeah. the first time I just lived with it, whereas the second time I really let it happen. It let it breathe. I, I would say this game encourages you to do that to a point oh, yeah. as Const- well. Constantly. Like yeah. there's a there's a lot of different points we could talk about of that, but one in particular is when you when you leave and come back, it will often it will often place Arthur in an area that's super beautiful and then and the steps away is maybe this creek and it's like well i could go back to the story or maybe i do some fishing you know yeah exactly <laughs> yeah this this is all part of like what the role playing in this game is you know this isn't an rpg that has stats and it does have stats but they don't really matter um it doesn't have level ups and stuff like that but what you are role playing is like what you're actually doing and then decisions you make of course too so what i mean by that is I think that these animations, how long they are and how deliberate everything is, plays into how you're role-playing Arthur. So like, are you going to bend down and pick up that carrot? And that animation plays literally, he bends down, he pulls the carrot out of the ground, he snaps off the shoots, he puts, he opens his bag and puts the carrots in his bag. That is the animation. It takes like five to 10 seconds to get a carrot. Uh, same for looting a body. So yeah. I wanted to be getting out of there and I'm like, oh, I'm still looting though. I need that. (laughs) So that's, that's part of it. It's like looting a body takes a long time. And if someone sees you looting a body, you're going to get in trouble. So if you stick stick around too long. (laughs) So are you looting those bodies because you need to, or are you looting them because you're a gamer and you need treats? 
Uh, <laughs> and same goes for like almost everything you're doing. Like going through a house and looting drawers and cabinets and stuff takes a long time because you have to open the doors, you have to open the drawers, you have to reach in and grab the stuff and put it in the bag. It's all part of that role playing. And that kind of like broke me of some of those compulsive looting tendencies that I have in literally every other game I play because I start to think like, do I really need that can of beans that's going to be in this cabinet here? Or can I just keep on walking and just like take the money and guns and stuff that's actually valuable? Right. I I do think though, it's interesting how deliberate they are with the, with the items that way. Yet you don't have, you don't have an item. There are some limits. Like you can only carry a certain type of gun at a time or whatever. Um, or a certain amount of guns, but you can pick up as many can of beans as you want, right? So like, and you don't yeah. get weighed down. Like an example, yep. like in, in Skyrim, like if you hit your your weight or whatever your max weight, then all of a sudden your character moves real slow. So it's it's interesting that they, and I'm glad because I didn't really like that part of Skyrim. Yeah, but. inventory <laughs> management is not yeah. an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, although like I'm not super crazy about their inventory wheel. I got used to it, I guess. Well, but. the whole like it's on the horse or it's on your person or you need this gun for a story and then all of a sudden you have this sick loadout, but then they like change it out. Like there's some weird, I don't want to say glitchy, but there's some weird hiccupy moments like that. Mm-hmm. That get pretty obtuse and kind of silly. Yeah. Yeah, I am kind of glad that like, you know, they went for so many instances where they went for realism over video game fun type stuff but i am glad that they didn't say like you can't pick up that can of beans your your horse is already carrying 16 cans of beans like right. your bag is only so big arthur i'm glad they didn't do something like that you mentioned the skinning animals right so if you're hunting and you skin an animal uh it's funny how like into the weeds you can get on this stuff but um anyways like <laughs> you skin an animal and you put that skin on the back of your horse right uh, I really enjoy layering those. It just looks cool. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so like I find a cool skin, I'll put that on there. I'll keep that on. And if I find another one, I'll put it on. It's like, it's kind of like, we don't really need to get into interior design, but, but you know how people like put like moths, like they layer rugs these days. That's like a big thing. <laughs> I was laying, I was layering my skins. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even, uh, I didn't even know you could do that. So that's yeah. There's limits. Like if it's a big pelt, like a bear pelt, like that's the yeah. only thing you can put on there. Maybe that's why. Yeah. yeah. That kind of did yeah. bum me out a couple of times when I was hunting and they're like, you can't like, you just can't carry all this, which makes sense. But, yeah. but it was the very like uh Oregon trail. Or, yeah. Or they're not worth a lot. Whereas in Red Dead 1, I used to just like hunt all day long and make a ton of money. And then in Red Dead 2, you turn in a pelt and it's like $3. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The money in this game is is it's all over weird. the place. It's, mm-hmm. Like I mentioned earlier, it's it's so sparse early in the game where I was like looting everything and trying to you know scrape up as much change as possible. You end up making a lot of money where it doesn't matter later on. But you make like too much, so it like takes like feast and famine. Yeah, yeah. It actually does kind of work against the desperation that the gang feels in the story where <laughs> Arthur's rolling around with like $6,000 yes, in his pocket man. in 1902 or whatever the fuck year it is. And, uh, the, the gang is like, we just need some money. We like, we're running out of food. And Arthur's like, you know, I just bought 17 fur coats. I'm yeah. Cool. <laughs> and look at all these upgrades. I've been <laughs> throwing money at camp all day. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I have all gold plated guns. What are we talking about? Pearl <laughs> <Yeah>. handles. <laughs> Bitch. I ain't yeah. poor. You're poor. <laughs> this bespoke engraving that I have on my. <laughs> <Right. Yeah. laughs> 
Just got my gun yeah. bedazzled. Which is broke right. talk around. That's right. Camp. It says or it says bad motherfucker on it. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um it's uh it, it is interesting how like you, you do start out with that kind of desperation and need to take risks looting bodies of people who come see you or like stick around at a, a, a crime scene longer to loot the house or whatever to try and get some extra money. But sooner or later, like and sooner rather than later, like 10 hours into the game, you get a shitload of money from story missions too. So mm-hmm. you're just like, sometimes they'll give you like a, you know, a story mission where it's like, we need you to go to the store and buy this thing. It's pretty expensive. And it's like, you go to the store and it's like $75 and you're like, I have $2,000 right in yeah. my pocket. I'm cool. <laughs> yeah. On one hand, they like try to make it realistic. So there's a real punishment for committing crimes, which is like, cool. Like you can't just go total GTA. Like you have a bounty system, like there's real restraints on what you can do. But on the other hand, like some of the robbing and the train stuff is like some of the most fun you can do. And they kind of take that away from you. Like, you can rob a cash register and it gives you like 17 to $35, but your bounty is like a hundred. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, you can, you can also, you can massacre an entire town, get a bounty of $80 and then just go pay it off because I have $2,000 in my pocket. Right. And it, yeah. It's kind of like, there are like consequences, there are consequences for what you do, but all you have to do is like right away and get to a post office to pay your bounty, which is not a lot. You know, I, it's like, let me do the math here. It's like it's like three dollars per person that you kill for some oh, of wow. these massacres <laughs> that you get into. Well, in the first one, you could throw your bandana around, and then you could just like rob and yeah, do crimes, man. and you mm-hmm. got away with it. Whereas in the second one, it doesn't like you can still do the bandana, but I have no idea what it does other than gets people in town to yell at you for wearing a mask, which in twenty twenty <laughs> something felt really weird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's I, I do think that this game is trying to lean away from that Grand Theft Auto type of gameplay um you know also counting in how deliberate all the actions you do are it's not this fast-paced arcadey game where you're like flying around shooting people um you can still do your you know your bullet time or whatever but it, it just has a much slower pace of play where you know when i'm playing grand theft auto i might take a car and run over some people and then take it off some sick jumps or whatever but in red dead 2 i really got like broken of all of those impulses and it made me slow down and do more of the fishing and hunting. And, you know, maybe I'll go pick up a bounty. Cause like, I want to go hunt this legendary bear and there's a bounty along the way. So I'll go see if I can do both of those, but I'm not going to go like rob an entire town, not in this right. game. I also love how, you know, obviously you can follow the story beats, but you know, almost no matter what, if you have a destination on the map and you're you're going to head there, you're going to run into somebody along the way that's like, hey, come help me out with this or whatever. And yeah. there's different degrees to how involved that little side quest might be. But it's it's another really cool, like almost like a bonus of of interacting with a map and not like trying to rush through it because it's I, some of my most fun missions of the game are just random things that I ran into or some of my greatest memories mm-hmm. are just the the randomness of it all. Those vacillate between exquisite and like, I've freed you four times. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the like we've the, done the people that are in the back of the, the jail carriages or whatever, like oh, yeah. those, yeah, those start yeah. to repeat a little bit too much, but it's, it's kind of crazy how many of those feel unique and you can play the game right. for, you know, I've played for about 70 hours now and there's only a couple of those like kind of random generated events that feel 
like they're just pulling stuff from a hat. The rest of them feel unique enough that it really sells the kind of the living world that they're trying to build. Right. Yeah, you see a guy wrestling with a try to get his horse and he gets kicked in the face and just dies. Yeah. There's no <laughs> point to that other than for you to just see it. And you're like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> that was always Note fun. to self, don't walk up from a horse or uh, to a horse from behind. And they will Noted. kick you. Yeah. This happened to me. I've died. That, that happened way. to me too. I got kicked yeah. in the face uh, in college by a horse. It's why I look the way I do. <laughs> um oh you guys you guys brought up the masks earlier and there's it's yeah. true that in this game you know they i think it is it says in there that like you if you you're less likely to run up your your bounty or you know if you're wearing the mask i didn't really see that uh i didn't really see that come into play maybe it's all my bedazzled guns but yeah. damn they know they know that man arthur morgan the second right. he walks into town yeah. uh, but there is one there's one little side mission in particular that sticks out to me that i was just really i really leaned into my whole role play like when um I can't remember on the timeline in the actual world how this like when I was playing how I think it was like shortly after the like, the peak of of COVID times but um there was I was I was riding my horse and I hear someone kind of calling out from the woods so I I go in and check it out and there's this tent and there's someone in the tent and they need your help because they're super sick and but as I as Arthur's like approaching the tent I was like oh man like I better put my mask up <laughs> because <laughs> because that's where we're at in the world at that time so I had mm-hmm. Arthur doing it. Uh, going up and checking. Then it was like an ambush or something. And I was like, oh, those fuckers. <laughs> yeah. I thought of you. One other <laughs> yeah. thing about the um, the gameplay that kind of reinforced this like slow down and, and just chill out, kind of slow down to the speed of the age that the game takes place in is that there's there's no real obvious fast travel in the game. There is fast travel, which I learned about 35 minutes ago from Luke, because uh, I played this game, did not discover fast travel. Um, there are varying degrees. So there is a fast travel, fast travel system, like in video games. You can ride trains to get place from uh, to get from one place to another quickly. Um, but I spent most of this game riding on my horse, and it kind of reinforced this point uh, that I, I took from uh, Noah Caldwell Gervais in his uh, like three-hour video essay about this game, which I recommend to everybody. And so the fact that you're not fast traveling from place to place, uh, that I wasn't, really gave the whole world a sense of place and gave me like that feeling of revisiting a place that I had known from earlier in the game and kind of feeling nostalgic about what happened in that place. Like the gang moves from camp to camp as the, as the game moves on. And then you may find yourself near the the site of the first camp, you know, 30, 40 hours later. And you'll be like, man, Things were different then and right. kind of reminisce yeah. on what happened back then. And that just, it doesn't happen in games where you're fast traveling everywhere and you're never riding between points, uh, revisiting those old places. So the fact that I'd never found fast travel in this game did not bother me in the slightest because I was all in for this, all all aspects of this kind of slow down type of uh, gameplay here. Yeah, I even like, so that, as you mentioned, Dave, there's a couple different uh, you know, you can either just ride your horse straight up, uh, or you can, you know, take a train. I think you can like ride a stage coast stage coach for some monies. But, um, so those, those can speed up getting to a place, but I often chose just to ride because that was more fun, you know, like, whereas mm-hmm. in other games, like, um, I'll bring up Skyrim again, but like I fast travel all over the map in Skyrim. Granted, it's a, a ginormous map, but, 
um not in this game like i definitely it's just so beautiful too the the scenery and like any even if you're riding back to valentine or saying you know wherever you're going like it's worth it every single time it's worth it yep yeah the scenery always is the simulation part is the true the true winner here um and even the way you unlock the better tra- fast travel is it appears to be like just a cosmetic thing it's like a map for the back of like arthur's wagon or whatever in camp so they don't say or they might say but they kind of coyly say like for travel purposes and then you walk up to the map so there's never like a hey this is how you do it mm. there's never a this is how you unlock it this is how you should use it it's just like it's there if you unlock it you might have just totally missed it when you're spending money on a chicken coop for the camp uh-huh <laughs> and then you can use it and i used it more like it brings you and there's still like it's not like it's not like the witcher where there's a bunch of signposts all around so you get to the closest possible one it's still like general destinations like towns or little mm-hmm. areas so it's not as useful as other games and it's still like slow and kind of intentional in the way that everything else is yeah so speaking of slow and intentional, just kind of wrap up this this whole section here, talking about how slow and kind of chilled out this game is for the most part. Um, did you guys kind of lean into this speed, this pace that this game works at? Or were you constantly like, or were you wishing that things would move a little bit quicker? I was into it personally. It, like I, I mentioned, it's um, at first I wasn't ready for it, but as as I got used to it, I was all about it. Uh, the pacing of the plot, that's like a criticism of people. So like in the grand scheme, that was kind of all over the place. But like how the game makes you play in the slowness, like I said earlier, mm-hmm. the second time around, it was it was a treat versus yeah. the first time it was something to get over. Yeah, yeah. it's funny. During um our most recent pl- entire, like I still boot this game up just to ride around and play. But during our complete playthrough not too long ago, I would hit up Luke and I'd be like, oh, I just did this thing, this story beat. And he's like, cool, I've got my my legendary fishing gear and I'm, just fishing, uh-huh. dude. Just fishing. <laughs> Just fishing. <laughs> yeah. Got a musky today. So <laughs> I, I I found myself doing something which I like would not do in most other games, um, which is really role-playing like daily life stuff because of how slow everything is. It it got me out of that arcadey video game type mentality and more into a, a slow role-playing mentality. So I would be like, I wake up in the morning in the camp grab a cup of coffee, walk around, talk to people. Um, Maybe there's a story mission that begins in camp, so I'd eventually make my way over there. At night, if I was near the camp, I would go back home, get a a bowl of stew, walk around, talk to people, sit by the fire, take some screenshots, you know, stuff like that. Just the fact that like the camp dialogue from all the other characters never seems to repeat it's always related to what's going on in the story at that time. You know, if you move to a new camp and that night you walk around, you talk to your friends at camp, everyone's talking about the new camp and how excited they are, or maybe not excited depending on the condition of where they're living now. Um, And then if I was out in the wilderness at night, I would set up camp. I I wouldn't just like drive Arthur riding out through the night doing missions at fucking two in the morning. I would set up camp, (laughs) cook some food, and chill and set up the tent and kind of sit there and relax. And it's just not something that video games can like pull out of me very often, but this one like snapped me into its speed, which I think is like a real victory for this game. 
Totally. It has an interesting way of doing that, right? Because it, you know, you mentioned earlier about the, the RPG mechanics and everything and that they're, they're subtle. They're there, but they're not, you know, they're not over the top, like in, in a lot of games, but there's a, you do have like a stamina meter and you have like mm-hmm. your dead eye meter, but you know, you are rewarded, um, by setting up camp. So like if your stamina is, uh, depleted, like you have to sleep. And then when you wake up, then they're ready to go. You know, they're ready to go out and they can, you know, run faster again. They're not, you know, taking a hit for their stamina anymore. But it's also cool, too, because you might set up camp in the middle of the woods. And, you know, in a lot of games, like, that's it. You know, maybe, like, um, I'll use the Witcher again. Like, when when he meditates or whatever, when Geralt meditates, like, you, I think you, like, replenish some of your your different potions or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing every time. Whereas in Red Dead, when you set up camp, you might go to sleep and some bandits might come and fucking they might wake you up in the middle of the night and then you got to fight some people. Like it's there's yep. always a little extra spice where you don't exactly know how it's going to play out, which I mm-hmm. really appreciated. Yeah. You missed one important concept of when you wake up and you're living in your camp is apparently this man doesn't do any chores. What a fucking... Oh, oh yeah, bum! He ain't baling hay or chopping wood. Like, well, I contribute enough. <laughs> you want to boost that morality? Go Arthur's uh, Arthur's the one who's going out and knocking skulls, trying to collect debts. Uh, leave the uh, the cooking and the cleaning to everybody else, I guess. <laughs> you bail some hay, right? Chop yeah. some wood. <laughs> I liked chopping the wood actually. And then you got to care for the horse. I kind of love taking your time, uh, like not just oh yeah, brush your out horse, your horse, but yep. just brushing out the horse. Can't have a dirty horse. Mm-hmm. For some reason, it affects your stamina, but I'm just, you know, I, I take care of my horse. Can't, yeah. can't have it, it yeah. has more of a sheen to it if you yeah, make sure it's can't, brushed. Can't have old girl <laughs> yeah. be dirty out here. Exactly. You love your horse. You want to take care of it. So let's uh, let's talk about side activities before we talk about combat. Combat's kind of, it's really simple in this game, so we'll save it for last. Probably not spend a ton of time on it, but let's talk about side activities. And this is also part of that role-playing aspect, too, is you can do tons of side activities in this game. Hunting, fishing, bounty hunting, train robbery, stagecoach robberies, card games, dominoes, that knife game where you put your hand on the table and try and stab between your fingers. You can do that. All kinds of stuff. And um, I know that, Luke, I know that you are real into the side stuff. so, So tell us about it. So the first game had a lot more quantity. Whereas this game, it's there's still a lot, but it's it's more curated. So like mm-hmm. the fishing and the hunting is better than it was in the other game because you have the legendary animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you spend any time gambling? Because the first time through, I didn't. And the <laughs> second time through, I'm like, I'm not leaving this table until you're all broke. And I'm like <laughs> playing for like no. $7 in the end. Yeah, exactly. No, I didn't because I don't like poker. So I didn't oh, play a ton sure. of poker. Yeah. Um, but my favorite thing is the um, the illicit side businesses. I thought those were absolutely exquisite. Did you do oh. all of those or any of those in your last playthrough? Because I talked I to somebody recently. in Valentine, just, at least. Oh, so you only did the one? Maybe. It's been a couple of years since I played later in the game. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. I talked to somebody who had done none of them, and I'm like, this is my favorite part of the game. So uh-huh. like, the robbery in <laughs> Valentine's really cool because you like go to rob the doctor's office, and there's a back room that you rob, and it gets really hairy really quickly. Uh huh. <laughs> did you did you save the child under the gun store in Rhodes? Uh, no, I don't think I got there. I don't think I saw that. Is that too spoilery, or should I? 
Eh, no, nah, I, nah, I don't think so. Oh, okay. I don't think it means too much if, to people who haven't played. Well, it's it's super cool and it gets in. Sorry, this is going to be a long rant here. So yeah, you uh, <laughs> you go to the side window in the gun store on Rhodes, and someone's like comes up to the window and is like, "Oh my fucking god, save me!" And you're like, "What is happening here?" So you go to rob the gun store and you just say, "Let me see what's downstairs." And the guy's like, "You don't want to do that." And you're like, "Let's see what's downstairs." And he has like an adult male dressed up like a child down there, like chained to the bed. What? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, he's like, this dude thinks I'm his fucking kid. And the guy starts crying. He's like, my son died because of like some old West sickness. And then he's like, fucking free me, sir. So you free him. You get like a nice specialty gun earlier than you can usually in the game. These usually have little items like that attached to them. So there's a specialty gun. It's like the first time you can get that revolver in Valentine. This one, it's like the first time you can get like a nice rifle and it's like a little nicer than the other ones. And then when you're walking into town with Dutch and I don't remember who else, they start talking about it. You're like, did you hear about what happened with the gun store owner? Jesus. And I'm, I'm walking through town and Arthur's just like, yeah, that's, uh, that's crazy. And like, <laughs> does not mention he's the one that freed this man. And that's why like earlier I kind of hinted at like, they're just talking about things that you did in the world in the most immersive, cool way. Mm-hmm. So like you can rob a poker game and you can do these different things, but the illicit missions are the coolest, like curated little, like they're a little tucked away. There's like, but when you, when you get them, they're, they're the coolest side quests in the whole game. This like my favorite, favorite thing to rant about. Hence mm-hmm. me having to stretch out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alex, what, uh, what side stuff did you get into? Oh man. So I really, I really do like the bounties. Uh, they feel a little fetch questy, but they're not, they're not terribly so. Um, and it was a nice way to make a little extra money too. But you always end up on a cool, like any of the bounties that you go on, you end up in like a cool area of the map. And it's always like a mm-hmm. fun little interaction you have with whatever the person. And like, I always do, I can't remember it. They're probably dead or alive. I can't remember yeah, for sure. Are. I would always bring them in alive. And that was always like an, an interest because you get more money. <laughs> but yeah. that was like an interesting interaction too, because whatever character that you're, you're chasing down, you know whether their reasons are for for being on the run or nefarious or not like they're always trying to talk you into letting them go and mm-hmm. arthur's just like you can ignore them or you can like hit him with a buddy <laughs> gun. smack him on the back door <laughs> and they'll yep. like <laughs> and they'll wake up again and they'll be like oh let me go and you're like ah oh, shut up <laughs> but <laughs> also a big difference between red dead one and two red dead one it was just a fetch quest go get person dead or alive right. come back and two every single one of them is its own little curated event right it's a like a story, story. too yeah. Yeah. yeah those are really yeah. cool um the i did i did a little bit of fishing luke did way more fishing than i did i did a, a bit of hunting though and i found out at one point that um so your skins are graded <laughs> So like, oh yeah, you, you you can get like a quality skin. So if you shoot something with a shotgun, like the pellets are gonna tear that skin apart, right? So mm-hmm. you skin the animal, and it's not you're not gonna get as much money for it. So I figured out at one point in the game, if you lasso like whatever you're trying to hunt and bring it in and then kill it with your knife, like one, it's just super badass. It's like holy shit, it's like this dude is like a supreme <laughs> he like, lassoed a deer and yeah, brought it into town, hundred percent. <laughs> but then, but when you do that, it's uh. It, it, your your skins take way less of a hit so you end up getting a little bit more cash for them and it's nice. like a pride thing you're like yeah it's not that poor quality skins like one of these uh-huh. it's, it's excellent <laughs> yeah the the hunting mini game it has like there's so much detail to it in how you sneak up on animals you can bait them um what yeah. weapon you use to kill them um i think the skins degrade if you take too long to get them into town 
there's just so much in this. Uh, I didn't do a ton of hunting because I don't really care about hunting for like the prize stuff, but I did if I finished a mission and I was on my way back to camp and I saw a deer on the way back to camp, I would hunt the deer and bring it back for, for food for everybody. Nice. So again, nice. that role-playing kind of aspect. Another fun side uh, deal that I always really enjoyed. I can't remember the dude's name, but um, he's always shooting birds. So he always, when you run into him, he always challenges you to like a, a shoot off. Mm-hmm. So, um, so those ones are always really fun and they're like kind of challenging, which is cool. Like I don't always win. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the um, fishing mini game in this game is really good. And yeah. I, <laughs> I, I kind of hate fishing mini games. Um, like it's kind of like the trope that all JRPGs have to have a fishing mini game and most of them fucking suck. And this one in red dead two is really fun. I found myself fishing way more in this game than in fucking fire emblem or something like that, you know? Plus, like, for some reason, if you release the fish, you can get a higher morality. So I might have shot up a whole town, but I'm a catch and release guy. So exactly. <laughs> it's so, a who's to, who's to say if I'm good or bad, really? <laughs> who's to say? <laughs> uh, it feels good. Was, it's it's kind of easy, and once you get the hang of it, but you need different lures to catch different fish, and it's just the responsiveness of it. It just, like, feels good. I don't know. It's got a mm-hmm. little, little nice scratch on the brain when you pull in a big one. <laughs> Yeah, like, ooh, what's this? And he pulls it out of the water, and you got this huge, huge honking fish. It feels way better than it should. It's yep. not, it's not real side questy, but one thing that, um, that I really played into, and Luke gave a little nod to it earlier, but I go played all my guns. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we to. didn't even mention, but you have to like take care of your guns in this game. You have to polish yeah, them, well, make sure clean them, like, polish them. Right. So I would always like, Whenever I go to a new gun shop, I'd, you know, and you flip through the catalog, dude, like you don't just like see a screen. You like actually have to flip through to choose which one you want. That mm-hmm. kind of, which is, you know, it's that slow intentional right coming back. Right. Yep. Right. Plops the it's, catalog down. It's throughout it. the game. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, that was a, the, the gold plating is a throwback to, to Red Dead One. Luke and I both like we're pretty, <laughs> we really leaned into making sure all of our guns are gold plated. Every time. Even without talking to each other, Al's like, you see what I do with my guns? I'm like, every time you have to gold plate <laughs> pearl handle. What else is there? Yeah. So yeah. I do this, I do the same thing in Red Dead Two. Whenever I find a gun I really like, I bring it in and, I go blade it, and then I also, you know, I get the a nice cherry stain going. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I might get, get a leather wrap for it. Yeah, <laughs> and also uh, to play off of that as well. And Luke clowned on me a little bit, but uh, I would always find Arthur the coolest fits. Like I'd always like I'd flip through the catalog, pick out like the coolest, yeah. uh, what I thought was like the coolest outfit, <laughs> and like that's mm-hmm. what I rocked. <laughs> Arthur's out fucking hunting a bear up in the mountains, wearing like the nicest like yeah. <laughs> sky blue fur suit or whatever designer duster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wore the, um, the majority of my gameplay. I wore the, uh, what do they call it? It's like the big, it's like not the ranch hand. No one cares. What is it? Yeah. It's like, it doesn't matter. Like it's, it's like, I really fell in love with a particular hat though. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> like it was sure. like, you know, it was Arthur's man, hat. That hat's always yeah. off, man. Hat yeah, so I was, was going to say like, if you get into any kind of scuffle, your hat's going to fall off. And I right. always walk my ass back over and pick up my it's the hat. same hat. That's right. Awesome. Yeah. I, I do too. I always pick up my hat and you don't have to, you can get back on your horse and it'll show yeah, up again. It's, it's but, right in the menu. Yeah. But still, <laughs> especially if it's like, you know, if it was like a difficult shootout or you got in a fist fight with someone that dragged on for like a minute or so. And then like you beat the shit out of them. You, you do the, the, the finishing blow and then you walk back over and snatch your hat back up. That's right, motherfucker. Put your hat back on and walk away. <laughs> yeah, I got time for this. Right. 
Yeah. <laughs> How it did bug me is it's a little buggy where the game, because Arthur does have a, a hat that's like Arthur's hat, right? Yeah. Uh, and there's points in the game where it would, <laughs> it would like switch out to the normal hat. And I'd be like, God, that's not my hat, though. That's not my outfit. <laughs> yeah. That's like the goofy stuff where you go to a mission and they re refit you and right. re give you different weapons. You're like, it's not what I had. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Don't do me like that. <laughs> yeah. So I just get some let's, confusion. Let's uh, let's listen to a little bit of music and talk about combat. So combat in Red Dead Redemption 2 is a uh, cover-based third-person shooter. And it's it's actually, you know, we've been talking about attention to detail throughout so many aspects of the game. Combat, I think, is pretty simple. It's never really changes throughout the game, depending on, you know, what guns and weapons you choose to use. It's easy. They kind of snap your reticule to any enemy that's nearby um, so if you like, if you're in cover and you press left trigger to like aim down the sights, it will snap to the closest enemy. You shoot them, pop, pop back into cover, press left trigger again, come back. It will snap to a new enemy. That's kind of the rhythm I found myself in. Yeah. And you flick your joystick up just a tiny bit. So it's always on his head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You get rewarded for headshots. Yeah. It's cool when you shoot their head like hat off or something like that. Yeah. In the <laughs> yeah. You yeah. can do the you can, uh, hit their hand. I guess the. I guess the details there, because you can you can shoot someone's hand and they'll drop their weapon. You can shoot yeah. their leg and they'll fall down. Um, you can shoot them in the head, and we know how that ends. Um, right. <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty pretty simple. There's a lot of like cinematic cuts. If you, um, I feel like every like third or fourth person you kill, it'll snap to like a cinematic action like death shot where they're like, yeah. and they like <laughs> fall over to the side, and yeah, yeah it's real cool. It's real bloody. And yeah, it's, it's just pretty simple third person shooting. It's almost like they're like, let's not make it video gamey. And then they're like, but also I like Quentin Tarantino movies. (laughs) (laughs) So let's have a zoom into this person getting shot in the head for three seconds. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, The one kind of big combat mechanic that you have is the dead eye from the first Red Dead Redemption game. Uh, When you're aiming down the sights, if you press the right thumbstick, it will slow down time. You can hover over enemies to like strategically plan a bunch of shots and then you press right trigger and pop, 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 pop. He'll execute all those shots. This game's kind of hard if you're in like a big firefight, if you're out in the open with a bunch of people, like if you get ambushed when you're in your camp or riding on your horse or whatever, um, I found myself like, you know, those ambushes are dangerous. So the dead eye is really helpful to take out a group of people. Totally. Yeah, I found myself, so I really leaned into the Deadeye in Red Dead 1, and I definitely use it in 2, but not nearly as much so, and I'm not entirely sure why. Like, I do know that, you know, that's one of the things that as you progress and use it more and, like, do, like your your Deadeye becomes more valuable. It's, like, one of the weird RPG things that this game does have, but um, but nonetheless, like, it's just, like, I definitely used it in Red Dead 2, but I didn't lean on it too much. And I'm not entirely sure why that is, because I do like the mechanic, but I get a sense of guilt. Oh, really? Like I'm cheesing it too hard. (laughs) Like sometimes I like want to line up four headshots like a Clint Eastwood movie. And then other times I'm like, am I even playing a game? Like I'm just like, pow, pow, pow. And then everyone's done. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's uh, 
kind of less of a role playing and more of a a necessity because like if if you're riding your horse and like six O'Driscoll dudes roll out and ambush you, (laughs) that can be dangerous because you you don't have a ton of health. You it's like one of those health systems where the screen gets like a filter put over it until it's like real bad times and you die, but you can die real quickly. So if one of those ambushes happened, then it was like, yeah, I'll just turn on the dead eye, take out half or most of the group, and then kind of take care of the stragglers. Or like dudes will run away if you kill most of the group. Some of them will try and run away too. So it's um the combat was never like super fun, but it's um it it's fine. I've also heard a lot of criticism saying that like the combat's terrible and it's not. It's it's not the best, not the best third person shooter I've ever played, but I think it's all right. There's like some cover issues, like you say to cover and he flies yeah. to the other wall. There's like dumb shit like that, but mm-hmm. it's definitely not enough to drag down a masterpiece of a game. It's just not <laughs> it's just not in the first few paragraphs of my essay of why this game is so great. I'm just like, yeah. and the combat's good, kinda like you said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we saved it for we're almost an hour and a half into this episode. We haven't talked about combat yet because it's it's just kinda like it's there, it's combat, it's a video game. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think it's 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 not something I ever slept like it never really bugged me. It's it's it you know, kinda like what you guys are saying. It's 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 what it is. I don't you know, no one's uh no one's saying this is the best combat that there ever was. But you know, I do think some people are out there on the internet wherever Reagan on it, and I don't think it's I don't think it's worth that. I do think that a rock star also just gets a bad rap for their con- their control scheme, like in general. Yeah. Um, and that like really bugs a lot of people, but I've been playing Rockstar games for so long that it's second nature to me. It's just like a you know, the fact I don't even remember what buttons it is right now, but you know, the fact that you have to press like a certain button to jump and that's different than it is in some other third person shooters and that really irks some folks and I'm like, ah, Yeah, it's it's, it's square it's <laughs> square on PlayStation is jump and uh right. X on Xbox. It's definitely weird. It's definitely not the standardized control scheme that we're all used to, but it's a fucking long game. You're going to get used to it. Like you have an adult brain. You can handle a different button for jump. Speak for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of shootouts. So like some critique of the story is this is these massive massacres all the time. These giant set piece shootouts. So like I can kind of see like getting, maybe it feels repetitive or like sometimes like you get into a story beat and you're just like Nathan Drake style. You kill like 50,000 people and you're like, that was kind of, fun but also anything else you guys got for me (laughs) yeah there there's a little bit of like um you are playing characters who are trying to lie low and then you (laughs) go into a town you kill like 66 people and then you ride your horse for 10 minutes to the east and suddenly you're out of range you know there's a little bit of like dissonance there but it's you know the the combat's fine you you gotta have um you gotta have action. You gotta have this is Western after all, so you gotta have some some gunfights. What do you think of the duels, by the way? You get in some uh some dueling situations in the game where you have to kind of lightly hold down right trigger until the bar fills up, and then you go into a dead eye. Um it's a little bit tricky to pull it off, I think. It, it is tricky. I, I I was out there dueling. I went all, I went over the whole map and uh because there's a side quest thing where you uh, run into this guy who uh, I won't I won't spoil it too hard, but he's basically he says he's the best gunslinger in the world and he wants you to go rope in yeah. all these other gunslingers. And uh it's fun. I think that was like a cool little that was definitely a cool side story that I enjoyed. 
Um, although <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a good dude, even though I did the duels, I'm not good at dueling. It's yeah. a really weird mechanic the way it's like, uh, it's almost pressurized. Like as you pull down that, that analog trigger and I just never got the timing right. Like, and so I had to redo them a couple times and yeah, that's, never felt mm-hmm. good. No, like was, you should kind of feel like the man when you pull one of those off. And I always kind of felt like oh, I did that, but I don't think I did it the way it was supposed to yeah. be done. <laughs> Same. Duel, duels are tricky, man. Like, um, there's only one other game I can think of other than Red Dead stuff that has uh, Western duels in it. And that's uh, Call of Juarez uh, Gunslinger, mm. which is oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, that game has duels too. And it's it's just, it's real hard to pull those off in a video game, I think. So I did kind of like you said, Luke, whenever I... I successfully won a duel i was like that's cool i usually died a couple times before that so <laughs> yeah. it was like all right I, I got it that time i don't think i'm going to be able to win the next one on the first try but we got it yeah you ever played gun smoke i didn't no <laughs> so it's a throwback it's a it's a light gun game for the nintendo oh, she's uh that's a good <laughs> dueling game though <laughs> right. nice uh one other thing about gameplay did either of you guys dip into red dead online at all not at all no <laughs> okay. me neither moving on uh for people yeah, i heard it was um, cool r.i.p but i heard it was cool yeah there is red dead online i heard it's cool i heard there's a lot of cool stuff to do i hate multiplayer games uh, especially when there are other people that can come fuck up my shit so i'm not yeah. gonna play it but I'm i hear it's on cool that one, Dave. yeah <laughs> i played for max relax vibes and uh going online and getting beat up by 12 year olds just wasn't wasn't my max relax vibe. I've got a Man. homie that was really into it and I don't know exactly what happened, but he lost his entire save file or whatever. Eesh. Very PC thing to happen. But, uh, but yeah, so he had poured all his hours into online and then the, for all for not. And it was just, mm. I don't know. I just, <laughs> I don't need to deal with any of that. <laughs> Same pass. So let's, uh, let's, let's kind of wrap up the non-spoiler part with, uh, the last question here for you guys. Just some wrap-up thoughts, summarize, and then who would you recommend Red Dead Redemption 2 to? So final thoughts would just be that what I said earlier in the sense that there's a lot of flaws in my opinion, but the total package is so astounding. And then like I jokingly said it's a fishing and wildlife simulator, but like the game itself has been actually used in some studies to teach people about wildlife. Like that's an actual academic study that got done. So the level of immersion Mm -hmm. in simulation is just an accomplishment. It's just so like the story I really enjoy. There's some critiques, but the the game in itself should just be celebrated for all of that. And then I would recommend it because um, in summer school, I was actually talking to some other people that aren't like, you know, gamers necessarily. Like they don't play a lot of games. And like one of the only games a lot of these people had played was like Red Dead 2. Mm-hmm. So like, it's almost like if you got a new system, it's like, what game should I get? I'm like, well, have you done Red Dead? Because like, it's almost for everybody in a strange way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, full send. Yeah, I agree. I think it's one of those games that, I mean, it's just so beautiful too. Like it's yeah. worth jumping into that world just to see it, you know? And like, we were just talking about the the combat and stuff and it's, it's not, you know, I think what maybe one of the critiques is like, it's not incredibly hard or whatever, but that, that makes it more approachable for someone that's maybe not, you know, as into gaming as any of us three. Right. So it's just, um, you know, you can I, at the same time, like my wife's not going to pick up this game and lose hours into it, but, <laughs> but she could like, you know, but who knows? And because there are, there's a lot of things you can follow story beats. You can kind of really role play, do whatever you want. But if you're a gamer, I do think that you have to, you have to knock this one down. It should be on the bucket list for sure. Yep. 
like I said at the beginning, this is probably in like my top 10 or 15 games ever. So with that being said, like there's only very specific people I wouldn't recommend this game to, you know, if you don't like long games with tons of story and cutscenes, if you need more like that arcadey feel from video games, then, then don't play this. Cause you're not going to like it. It's, it's too slow. It's too long, but for everyone else, like if you, if you do enjoy a good video game story, this one has one of the best, in my opinion, if you like video game characters, if you like role-playing, um, again, one of the best. So it's really hard not to recommend this. It's really just like go in knowing that it's not that fast arcadey feel from Grand Theft Auto or Red Dead Redemption 1. It is slower. And this game like kind of needs you to slow down and meet it at its pace. And if you're not up for that, then I think you're not going to enjoy this. But if you are up for that, if you open yourself up to it, um, I think that this is really special. Uh, we didn't really talk about uh, visuals too much, but Luke, you just said, man, it's a fucking beautiful game. It looks incredible. Uh, it really plays into that like desire to slow down and spend time out in the wilderness and not just go from quest to quest because sometimes a thunderstorm rolls in. You just want to like stand on a hill and just look at it. And right. that's not something that I can say about almost any other video game I've played. So it's it's a really easy recommendation for me with the caveat that you do need to slow down and meet this game at the speed that it's working at. Sometimes you just got to smoke a cigarette while leaning up against a building, looking at yes. the sunset, or if you're exactly. not into that, eat a can of beans real quick by yeah. the river. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sometimes you got to watch the sunset and just fucking crush a can of salmon. That's yeah. Uh, although he litters like he's, Oh, uh, he litters like crazy, litters but, all you know, time. come on. How, <laughs> Is that is that era appropriate for people to just be throwing their fucking tin yeah, cans everywhere? It sure is. That was one sure thing. Is. Like we were talking about how slow it gets, but it I did, and it's kind of funny. But it's like I did want it to go slower sometimes. Like the fact that it takes just the same amount of time to smoke a cigar as it does a cigarette. I'm like, come on, like puff on that cigar a little bit longer. Like <laughs> cost me twice as much. Come on. Like one swig of like the the guama rum, and then he's like, <laughs> just yeah. throws the bottle. And like throws well. it in the bushes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it's, um, it's a really good game and I'm, I'm, I'm really happy. I'm going to, like I said, I played about 15 hours to brush up for this recording, but I'm going to keep playing it just off and on. You know, when I got some time between my podcast games and stuff, I'll fire up Red Dead 2. I'll go hunt something. I'll do one story mission. You know, um, I'm going to play this to the end again, because uh, I love it that much. And I'm excited to dig into the story here in the spoiler section soon. But before we do that, I want to give you guys a chance to plug Low 5 Gaming again. Tell people where they can find you. Yeah, so low5gaming.com is uh, where you can find all our links. We post everything there. That's the easiest kind of center spot to find us, low5gaming.com. Uh, we've got a Discord going, so you know, welcome to uh, you know, you're welcome to join the Discord with us and talk about whatever game we're focusing on for the month or anything else that's going on. Um, but oh, your yeah. socials and such. Yep. So you can find all the socials. So Luke's not really on social media. So if you want to talk to this kid, you, you got to jump at the discord. <laughs> yeah. And you got to, you got to mention McRibs. That's the password to get Luke <laughs> to show up. Fucking right. <laughs> uh, um, what else? Another low five thing. We are, So the McRib thing, we always, uh, we have an unsanctioned sponsored spot, right? So every month we, <laughs> something unofficially brings our podcast to you. <laughs> and uh-huh. it has been, uh, it's been, you know, a range of different things. The McRib being one of them. 
mostly yeah. a serious but also not serious but also very serious <laughs> yeah it's uh you you can jump in the discord server and continue to see as i continue to post red dead redemption 2 screenshots as i slowly work my way through the game because uh, you guys keep the channels kind of archived for the games of the month um, so if you want to come in and talk about Red Dead 2, I'm sure people will be in there too. You can also hop in my Discord server where people will be talking about Red Dead 2 this week. Um, would love to have you there. We have a really good community in there as well. Uh, some overlap between the Low 5 and the Tube Discord server for sure. And yeah, if you want to support this show, you can subscribe. You can leave a rating and review if your platform that you're listening to this on allows it. And uh, spread the good word. Tell people about a podcast you like. Uh, I know people will, you know, run away, throw their drink at you and run away. But, you know, it's worth it, I feel like. If you want to support monetarily, there's a Patreon page. Um, I love everybody who supports that way. I love everybody who doesn't. I love everybody. If you're listening to this, I love you. Uh, I also have another show called A Top 3 Podcast, where each episode is either a top three list or recently we've been dipping into some draft episodes. But if you want to hear me talk about stuff that's not video games, top three is the place to be. So uh, one more recommendation for everyone out there to check out Low 5 Gaming while you're listening to the music in the spoiler break. Uh, go down in the show notes, click the link, subscribe to Low 5 Gaming, join the Discord, talk about the game of the month. It's a good time. We are going to take that break now when we come back at spoiler time for Red Dead Redemption 2. Cruel, cruel world must I go on Cruel, cruel world I'm moving on I've been living too fast And I've been living too long Cruel, cruel world I'm gone Alright, I am back with Alex and Luke from Low 5 Gaming and we're going to get into the spoilers for Red Dead Redemption 2. And so we're going to kind of walk kind of chronologically through the story here and talk about um, real spoilers. So again, if you haven't played Red Dead 2, get the fuck out. We're going to spoil what happens like at the end uh, pretty soon, I think, and then we'll work our way through. So we're going to kind of talk about chronologically both how Arthur's story goes um, the way that they chose to deal with Arthur not being in Red Dead Redemption 1 and how to, uh, you know, make his story play out in an interesting way, then talk about the breakup of the gang. So one thing I noticed on this replay, guys, is at the beginning of the game, whether it's the first chapter when you're up in the mountains or when you're at Horseshoe Overlook, I think the first camp is called, Arthur's so down to go bust knees and go do anything. And whatever Dutch says, he is all about it. You want to rob a train belonging to like the most powerful man in the area? Fuck it. Yeah. Dutch says it's a good idea. Let's go do it. And uh, I love how at the beginning, Arthur and John, everyone is so on board with Dutch. Totally. I think that um, Arthur's character, he's interesting, right? But the he doesn't, I think the only thing that he believes in is loyalty. And that really shows at the beginning of the game mm-hmm. uh, kind of like you were talking about dave and then as the game progresses and dutch becomes a little bit more obviously nefarious unhinged and unhinged yeah arthur starts to maybe he starts to realize that this dude that he's put all of his trust and loyalty into is maybe it's misplaced and mm-hmm. uh you know it creates a, a lot of tension throughout the story especially in the the latter half um 
but yeah, loyalty, man. That's that's like all that's all Arthur has. And then uh, when he when he when he realizes that that's maybe not uh, maybe he needed a little more. <laughs> yeah, there's the argument as to like was Dutch always this way or is he deteriorating? Like, is mm-hmm. it true colors versus deterioration? Certainly, Arthur has his various opinions, but it all just kind of starts off with like he is like pretty mad skeptical of what went down in Blackwater, the yeah. Kansas City equivalent. Uh, before your squad gets out there and he does like that's kind of the beginning of it like he's like what was that fucking about dutch yeah because dutch uh because <laughs> dutch killed an innocent woman during that um that whole hullabaloo in blackwater yeah. there and I, that might have been the first thing to kind of plant a little seed of doubt but it doesn't start to bloom until later with arthur but i did find it interesting that like the first time i played i didn't really notice until guarma Arthur really like, hey Dutch, what the fuck? Well, he um, kills that woman. <laughs> like, <Jesus. yeah. laughs> but when I'm replaying it now, even in chapter two, Arthur is like, you know, I don't really know if Dutch knows what's going on, or like, I don't know what Dutch wants. I don't know his motivations here. He he starts to doubt him a lot earlier than like when things start to hit the fan later in the story. You know? Yeah. The second playthrough really like you really see all the little seeds of doubt Mm -hmm. and all the different like moments where the growing skepticism and like chasm between them is way more pronounced the second time through. Uh, Also, like in the swamps, that was pretty far in. But like, what is it that Dutch does in the swamps where it's like Uh, when he kills uh, I forget the guy Bronte when he kills Bronte in the swamps and Arthur's just like, what the fuck? Fuck. that's pretty messed up man he like <laughs> drowned him like in the boat yeah and it felt like more like unhinged and like i guess passionate is the word like it just seemed like really really intense and you could see like, the evil in him for yeah sure. it wasn't like yeah. a necessity thing it was more just like do you enjoy this shit yeah and so at the beginning of the game um in, in chapter two when you start to get like the slightest little seeds little it's quiet conversations when you're riding on your horse talking to people and Arthur just lets on that he's like, he's only like 90% with Dutch now instead of like 100% all in. Um, then you also get the beginning of Arthur's story and how, like, and what happens to him, his fate. That's what I'm going for. So right. I had wondered when I started this game, how are they going to, how are they going to do this with Arthur? Cause he's not in red dead redemption one. He's not mentioned in red dead redemption one, which is fine. They didn't know at the time that they were going to do a prequel with a character named Arthur Morgan, whatever, but he's not in the game. So obviously something happens. Um, and I thought they were just gonna, you know, have him die in a gunfight or something like that. Cause he's, he gets in a bunch of gunfights. It would make sense for him to get shot or backstabbed or something like that. But I thought that what they did with him in his fate in the game was really, really interesting and sets up his kind of character arc in a a more interesting way than just, you know, he dies in a fight at the end or something like that. Totally. You want to spill the beans on what he died? Yeah. Is, that, is that the part? <laughs> uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say it then. It's kicked in yeah, the yeah. face yeah. by a horse. <laughs> so you, you die yeah. of uh, tuberculosis, right? So early yeah. on, there's a, uh, I don't know, I don't remember how early it is, but you're on one of the- uh, Pretty early. Yeah, it's, so it's very one of early. Missions, it's it's right? one of the, the first one camp. of the earliest quests in chapter two is uh, Strauss gives you a bunch of right. money collecting uh, missions. Yeah. Just to feels go like out video on. game side mission shit. 
those mm-hmm. Strauss's missions in general are interesting that too because maybe yeah. you kind of mentioned it earlier how you know Arthur is kind of gung ho about these at the beginning and I think he is on this one he goes to this little homestead where this dude owes, owes money or whatever and he's coughing and stuff and Arthur's kind of beating him up when when Luke was telling me about his playthrough I think he accidentally like one of those things where he like gave him one extra punch or something and like slammed his head <laughs> or something yeah but uh, basically this dude can't pay up and Arthur's kind of pissed uh, and he leaves. And you don't really like this stuff, you know, in my playthrough back when we cut our pod, back when we were covering this, you know, I hadn't found out that that Arthur had tuberculosis yet. But there was an inkling right there was like there was something I knew was wrong. Like he was starting to cough more often. Mm -hmm. Um, So you start to notice that and like because his health deteriorates over time. Um, and you start, then eventually you figure it out. Like he, he like falls off his horse and you end up at the doctor and he gets a, he kind of gets his like death sentence given to him, mm-hmm. but you, you put all the pieces together and it's because of this action that happened early on in the game. And it's interesting how the game weaves that in too, because I think it's even Strauss. Like he, uh, he's starting to cough too. I think I noticed that he was sick before, before Arthur was sick. Um, huh. which super, I, I, don't call me hundred percent on that. I'm not entirely sure. Someone, I'm pretty sure it was him though. Like someone in camp was like starting to cough all the time. And I was don't like, this is interesting. This. What's that? I don't mm. co-sign this. Or someone was gone. <laughs> I can't remember who it was, but there's, it could have been, I know Arthur for sure was getting sick, but I feel yeah. like someone else was getting sick too. Uh, or at least I just like picked up on it because I was starting to like, feel like something was wrong. Um, so there's, um, early in the game. So this, even in chapter two, still Arthur starts coughing. And it's it's probably too early for most people to notice, but I guess it is weird to have a video game character cough. That doesn't right. really happen, right? But I didn't notice un- until literally when you're in Saint-Denis and he falls off the horse. And then I was like, because it, it, it builds up rapidly up until that point. Um, but in chapter two still, he's coughing and people are like, you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. And then moves on. So it's it's interesting how early this starts but you're just i don't know i just i just didn't notice it did you guys notice no it wasn't strauss it was uh it was a hosea he's the older guy that's kind of um yeah. but he ends up getting he's he starts getting sick he's the one that i've noticed not like you know deathly sick but he's definitely you can tell like he ends up getting um shot in a gunfight the bummer I actually mm-hmm. start to lose like <laughs> your whole gang starts to drop off and it's yep. <laughs> towards the end of the game yeah but um but yeah, I noticed that's that's who I noticed. He was like he was like not well. I think they even like mentioned it in I think when that shitty camp that they have in the swamps or whatever. Um, but that's I I noticed he was getting sick, and then I started to think, and then I noticed Arthur coughing more, and I was like, oh man, like this isn't this isn't gonna this isn't gonna pan out well. Yeah, they really ramp it up, so it starts subtle. So obviously, the second playthrough, when you know everything, you mm-hmm. see it from the very beginning, and the first time. It like kind of does the thing where like in a video game when you get hit your screen goes red and that's like kind of your health. I feel like they did that with a cough at some point where like you're coughing yep. so hard that he almost passes out. So it becomes pretty obvious. You know that that farmer had tuberculosis. Uh, did you do the side quests with like the farmer's family? Did you yeah. see that whole thread through? That's mm-hmm. my first time. Turns yep, to that, yeah, that's yeah. fascinating. <laughs> how like you can like you don't have to do any of that. Yeah, oh, yeah. but did it's part into- of. Um, it's part of Arthur's like, so when he gets the diagnosis for TB, this is kind of the, like, you could be role-playing Arthur as like a pretty good dude up until that point. You can help people. You can, you know, catch and release your fish and whatever. But like, <laughs> hey this there, is Mister? where, this is where the quests Howdy. will start having you do good deeds more often than oh, you sure. know, massacres and stuff like that. So 
Yeah, it's a real turning point for him. Um, yeah. It's also where the, you know, depending on where your morality meter is uh, at this point in the game where the, because the, there's, there's just, there's different end games to this, right? So you can get different outcomes. I think there's four um, that are all slightly different, but you know, if you are the way we played it, uh, Arthur, when he, you know, passes out or is having, you know, trouble with his health, often he'll go into this like hallucination you know, he'll start hallucinating or something. And he sees for, for me, he saw this deer, right. And everything was like kind of a gold color. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's, it was kind of like, uh, his guiding, you know, spirit guide type of thing. Um, but you get the deer if you're, if you're approaching the game from more of like, a uh, you know, like, a uh, from if your morality is more like, you know, a nice guy, but if you are on the other end of that spectrum, it's a wolf that you get to see in these cut screen, uh, cut mm. scenes. Uh, which is pretty interesting, you know, because it it kind of um, not to say that Arthur's either a wolf or a deer, but but you know, if you look at those two animals, especially if you you know start to weave in some of the Native American lore that's in this game, um, it makes some sense, and it's it's just really interesting, and it's a cool little um, a cool little piece that they've added to this. Yeah, and so like you can start to pursue the redemption arc, kind of after he gets the diagnosis here, so that that storyline with the widow of the, the man who gave Arthur TB, who he beat the shit out of. And he, like he ruined their life basically. So you, you catch up with them again. They're about to lose their house. Um, Arthur can pay off their house uh, and just kind of give them the money. You probably have enough money to do that later on. Then you catch up with them again. And the woman is um, doing sex work in like this, this mining town, uh, she looks like she's in bad shape, kind of, I think kind of implied that like her days are numbered too. Yeah. And what I liked about that is that you don't like get their forgiveness. They still hate Arthur for what he did, um, but you can give them the money. They tr- they say like, we don't want your money, but Arthur can be like, no, just shut up, take it. I don't want your forgiveness. Just please take this. Um, so you can do that, but it's not like a happy ending. Arthur's still going to die. She's probably still going to die. Um, but you can at least do one final good deed there. Yeah. The sun's a little bit like you save him from a weird mining situation where everybody yeah. at the site knows about his mind is like not bullying him is kind of light as to how they yeah. treat the sun. So then you get involved and yeah. And then, so there's that end of it. And there's also the Strauss end of it where like your last missions with Strauss, you can just like fuck off, like just do the exact opposite of Strauss. You help all the people that he's got with the money laundering mm-hmm. schemes. You, right. you kick, uh, kick Strauss out of camp, right? Yeah. And then you run him out and it felt good. Yeah. Fucking, fucking yeah. Strauss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this, I think that this, like the way that they accomplish both goals of putting Arthur on the path to redemption while also killing him or taking him out of the picture. I think that this is really interesting using tuberculosis instead of like, you know, Arthur gets shot in a in a double cross situation late in the game or something like that. I think this is yeah. infinitely more interesting. I gotta applaud the creativity. There's a really great scene. Um, who is the character? Oh man, what character? He's riding horse with this character. It's when you're helping out. Um, you're helping out the tribe that uh, is dealing with the army and stuff. Uh, what's the name of that character? Is it like 
Eagle Flies was one of them. Oh, and I remember yeah, if that was the chief or the, the kid. So no, the, the guy in your kid. camp, though. No. The guy in your camp that ends up boxing at some point when the gang splits. Oh, He's, Charles. Yeah, so Char- you're riding with Charles, and you know Charles you basically finds out that you have tuberculosis. And you know this is after Arthur basically knows he only has a couple of weeks to live. And Charles says something to him along the lines of, you know, it's basically he's like, oh, that sucks. But like at the same time, it's kind of nice. Like we could die tonight. Like it's kind of nice knowing when you're going to die, which is really interesting. You know, like he was kind of telling Arthur that, you know, well, you know, the the silver lining here is that you now have the you know when your end date is more or less. So how are you going to live the rest of your life? Yeah, there's another conversation with a nun um, along that lines. It's one of my favorite little conversations in the game because it's like one of the only times that Arthur is super vulnerable in the game. You guys remember this when he's talking to the nun at the train station? You've done a couple of quests to help her out and you're helping her get on the train and Arthur just sits and talks with her and she, he, he just kind of lays it all out. He says like, I'm dying. I got this disease. I got this disease from, from killing somebody over a couple of dollars. Um, and he, he says like, I'm scared. I don't know what's going to happen. And she lays out that same kind of thing to him. She says, like, you can just try to do a good deed and, uh, like, you can control how the end of your life goes, basically. And it's a really touching uh, conversation. Yeah, she. Even, I think she even mentioned something like she's, you know, she's seen him do good stuff. And she, like, reminds yeah. him that, you know, some of the stuff, you know, to kind of focus on. Like, sure, you've done, like, you know, he's really, like, I think he's, you know, his his time is limited, so he's really worried probably about, you know, all the terrible things he's done, but she's kind of reminding him that there's all these good, there's still good to be done, and then, you know, he has done some really good things for folks. Yep. It's interesting, I think, the uh, at this point, you know, when, when Arthur finds out he's he's sick, uh, the game starts to weave in his, uh, his old love life. Uh, I can't remember her name, but... Mary. Yeah. So Mary gets uh, kind of brought in. Then there's a few missions with Mary. And I think that um, he does. He uh, so Mary and Arthur like pregame, like before all this, like they had uh, something a little way more than what they have in the game. And throughout the game, you have the opportunity to kind of uh, massage that relationship a little bit more. I think it, it kind of <laughs> cultivates with them at uh, like the movies or something. And if you play, yeah. if you play it right, you can put your arm around Mary and it didn't work out for me. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but that's interesting. I thought that was kind of interesting too, just cause he's kind of thinking about like how his life could have been with her, et cetera. But even more interesting than that, there's another woman that Arthur meets in the Northern part of the map that, um, she's got this little homestead on her, on her own. And there's yeah. some weird, like sexual tension going on between <laughs> the two. Um, not overly, but it's like he helps her out and he like ends up doing like work around the, her homestead and stuff. And it's, again, it's like, he knows that he's dying. I think he might even tell her, but, um, but it's, you know, it's, uh, he almost gets this glimpse into a life of maybe that he wished he had that he, that he couldn't have because of the life that he's lived, which I thought was really cool. And there's, there's actually a point, uh, another big spoiler, which maybe we gave a nod to earlier. And I think people, a lot of people know this, but, uh, you end up playing as John, uh, but John goes back to, uh, or you can go back as John to, to talk to that woman and, uh, mm-hmm. let her know that, that Arthur has passed. And it's, it's very touching. It's a, it's a, it's very interesting. Just another one of those little gems the game throws your way. Yeah. yeah the storyline with Mary was interesting because the way that it ends, you almost get the sense that like Mary is like kind of open to reopening their relationship a little bit. And Arthur is still just, it felt like he's just dedicated to the gang enough that he feels like he's got to stick with them 
right. like like 60 40 you know if we yeah. had waited another couple hours arthur would have been like you know what fuck dutch i'm going with you but at this point in the game he's still just in enough that he um he kind of just says like you know i wish that things could have turned out different but this just it's not the way that it's going to go even though you got the sense there was like a slight chance it could have been different if he right. wasn't as you know married to the gang i think the the game too it really you know really plays into the because it's a prequel and it really sets up really well um you know john in the next one you know or like so so arthur yeah. takes it's still loyalty he's still like focused on this loyalty but he, he the loyalty is removed from dutch because dutch is just going off the walls and micah ugh, can get into micah micah sucks micah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but you know he's putting so much effort into making sure that um that john and his family can make it and that's that that ends up being his final goal right is he just it's about this family he wants his family to make it because they're pretty much the the rest of you know what's left or whatever in this gang more or less but um yeah but yeah it's you're also like if you can choose optional dialogue if you want to talk about it but when you're up to like that uh sacred site with the tribal leader like arthur reveals he had a son that died of like a tragic disease Mm -hmm. um so it's kind of like a like that's kind of his buy-in as to why he's so dedicated to making sure marston and son yeah work out and uh it's it's interesting this is like the other part of his redemption arc is that he's going to put all of his energy into trying to make sure John gets out basically. Mm -hmm. And this also starts early. Like, like I said, just last night I finished chapter two and there's a scene where you go out and do stuff with John. You're rustling some sheep with John uh, before you kill the whole town of Valentine. And he talks about it. He says like, you know, it's too late for me, but you, you can get out. Like it starts right. that early. And then as relationships with Dutch deteriorate, he starts to put more. And as he, you know, contemplates how he's going to die soon, he maybe starts to think about legacy or something like that. He starts to um, work on doing good deeds for the people that maybe he's wrong to be for, but also he's going to try to help John uh, get out. So that's, you know, kind of these three storylines interweaving as we go through the game and you know dutch gets crazier and crazier trying more and more outlandish shit and arthur starts to turn his attention in other directions which makes the storyline and ending of red dead redemption one all the more tragic (laughs) yeah 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 because they they think that uh they think that jack can like have a different life for himself you know and if you played red dead one you know you know how it goes right yeah, the um, Luke mentioned at that the lead of our conversation, you know, that John's kind of this weenie in the beginning of the game. You have to go out. He's <laughs> like been gone for a while or whatever. You got and he's like, you you end up saving him out in the snow, and uh, you know, there's, there's all this talk about how he left the gang for a while to go do whatever he was doing. Left, left the his, gang and his family. His, yeah, his family. Um, and although you're not playing as him, you know, as the game continues, Dave, you kind of mentioned the when they're rounding up sheep or whatever is a, a good point, but the um john is growing as a character as well you may not be playing as him but like he's also like developing and he's almost your actions as arthur i I almost feel like john is like watching arthur or watching you know this whole thing and you know as and when you end up at the the end game in the epilogue you're playing as john and you can tell that arthur has had a huge impact on this guy and and Mm -hmm. you know the decisions he's making 
uh, super interesting. And he ends up yeah. being someone that you end up caring about. Although I was, to be completely honest, I like the epilogue, but I was like, I don't know. I feel like the story does kind of end with Arthur. You don't like building the house with uncle? <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think let's, uh, let's revisit the epilogue after we talk about, um, the end of Arthur's story. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I, I do think that it's, it, it does have a nice ending point and then the epilogue is extra and how you feel about that is, uh, just kind of depends on how much you feel like it was necessary. I feel like, but, mm-hmm. uh, we'll get there. So Dutch is starting to do more and more outlandish shit. And it's, it's, it starts before Arthur is really sick. So even before he starts to reckon with his own mortality, he starts to doubt Dutch a little bit. I think it really comes to a head with this plan in Rhodes with the, uh, the two families, the Greys and the Braithwaites, when yeah. you have these, this, this classic, you know, Southern story of the two rival families that have been going uh, on for generations. Right. And Dutch and Hosea Romeo and Juliet think that they can on. just <laughs> jump in and, and con them because they're, you know, they're rich simpletons as they, they think Dutch always thinks that he's the smartest man in any situation. Right. And, uh, spoiler, that's not how it turns out. He does not, uh, con his way into a simple score with these families. And you mentioned how people in the gang start dropping. Um, I think this is one of the first ones when Sean gets killed uh, in an mm-hmm. ambush in town. Yeah, that was a bummer. And, uh, he's in there and I think he gets sniped out or something. Yeah. And, uh, that's when you're like, oh shit. Like all these people you've, after playing hours of this game that you've really, you know, you, they become your family. They are, they're your gang. Right. And then all of a sudden you lose one. You're like, oh man. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the town before you get ambushed is like staring at you and then like running behind doors and windows. And they're like buttoning down the hatches. That's something you don't notice yeah. before you head into the mission, but you're walking along the street right before he gets shot and everybody's acting real weird. And it doesn't like second playthrough type shit. But when you actually see everybody's like the shootouts about to go down and everybody in town knows. So that was kind of cool. That is really cool. Yeah. And then in that chaos, um, I think it's when they're in that shootout in town, uh, one of the families, I forget which one kidnaps Jack. Mm-hmm. And so we go on this, um, this war path to, to get Jack back, which has a lot of like a lot of death as a result uh, of it. And a lot of Dutch trying to con people again, we have that cool mission where you like storm the mansion and, um, it's like, it's got this awesome framing of like, you know, everyone riding up to the mansion in formation, you know, full on like frontal assault on the mansion. You burn it down. Um, you leave the, uh, the old woman like alive. She runs into the burning mansion by herself because everyone else is dead. It was like, holy shit that, uh, that escalated quickly, you know, <laughs> totally. And then in San Denis, you find out that uh, this guy named uh, Bronte has um, has Jack and Dutch again, just immediately is like, oh, okay, I can easily, we can easily outsmart this guy to our own gain. And again, it doesn't work out that way. And it's just one crazier and crazier and crazier escalation of like Dutch making bigger and bolder plans that backfire in his face that it's like slowly chipping away at that, that foundation in the gang. Yeah, Dutch is uh, throughout this whole game. He's supposed to be this like he's basically the patriarch of of this gang, 
who's mm-hmm. really leans into the idea that they're a family, right? And they need to they need to stick together. He exploits and the idea. Sure yeah. does. And then mm-hmm. so you start to realize at this point, you know, I think that, you know, his that might be his narrative, but the fact that he's still focusing on how are they going to get the money and get out it like that almost seems more important than than bringing the kid back, you know? He it's it's interesting. And even after they get the kid, he goes back. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking dirge. Yeah. Uh, this is why they should remaster Red Dead Redemption 1 so I can like fucking kill Dutch <laughs> yeah because the super spoilers you can track them down in Micah and you get to kill Micah which is dope but Dutch mm-hmm. gets away doesn't he just like yeah Dutch walks away yep yeah which is like come on let me kill Dutch right <laughs> but he's in the first one so you can't <laughs> so we have this like escalation right we start out by robbing a train um, it happens to be Leviticus Cornwall's train, the most mm-hmm. powerful man in the area, but it's a train robbery. And then it escalates to, uh, let's try and con these two rich families to let's try and con this like city, like aristocrat type. Let's try to rob the bank that can't be robbed, you know, like the impossible score in town. And then at the end, Dutch is uh, like near the end. Dutch is literally trying to start a war between the natives and the U S army for his own benefit. So like the scheming is just going to this, like this level that you cannot win at. Right. And it just keeps blowing up in his face over and over again. And then throughout all that too, like, uh, like John ends up being like, he ends up in jail, like on that Island jail or whatever. And yeah, uh, I think Sadie wants to go, obviously his wife, but then Sadie wants to go save him with, with Arthur and, and, uh, and yeah, it's, it's not part of Dutch's plan though. No, he wants yeah. him to die. Yeah, he pretty much just wants him to die. And there's a couple story beats too. Like uh it happens um basically you, you kind of see Dutch just leave uh there's one well basically he just he and Micah just leave John behind at one point and just kind of mm-hmm. like you know, feed him to the wolves or whatever. Um but that also happens to Arthur at a different point. Like Dutch is just clearly not actually about the family here. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh one scenario after a train heist where Dutch leaves John behind and tells everyone that he died. And then, yeah, the one where you're in that kind of like, I think it's like the oil refinery or some shit. Um, Lumber mill, oil refinery, something something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Where um, they get ambushed and Dutch just kind of like looks at Arthur and walks away and just leaves him behind. So the, like the, the villain turn for Dutch is really, really slow but I, I think it's paced out really well. So like even at like the halfway point in the game, I still felt like like when we we're getting into that that two families, the Greys and the Braithwaites, I thought that Dutch could pull it off because sure. why not? And Hosea seems smart, so why not? Uh, but then later in the game, it's just you know very very clear that Dutch is uh, Dutch is the villain now. Right, and I feel like uh, especially when you lose Hosea, that's when it's because Hosea is almost like Dutch's grounding force uh, exactly yeah because he's, yeah. he's a little bit older and he's obviously brings a little bit of rationale to things and i feel like he's been able to talk dutch down for so long but when he's out of the picture and that around the same time micah's becoming more prevalent within the gang uh and he almost has dutch's ear well he does he like takes dutch's ear and basically Do you wonder uh, how much he does the whole time in retrospect sure yeah. for sure but uh definitely i mean you he dutch definitely goes off the rails yeah <laughs> And they never hide that you shouldn't like Micah. So when you play no. through it again, you're like, Ugh. and then Dutch is always like, nope. He always is really weirdly protective of Micah. 
And it's probably because he can control him and he knows that. And that's probably why he wants to get rid of you and Marston. Mm -hmm. But God, you just want to kill Micah so bad on the second playthrough and you just got to sit there and take it. And you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. It's uh, it's another thing I was playing literally last night is when Micah's in jail in Strawberry. Oh, yeah. That's and you bust one. him out and he fucking <laughs> kills the entire town. And you're yeah. like, dude, Micah, what the fuck, man? Yeesh. <laughs> and he's into it. Like, you can tell that he enjoys it. And that's kind of, yeah. that's like the scary part about it. Yeah. Pretty cool mission, though. You like uh, blow up the side of the jail to get him out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the illicit business in Strawberry is a distillery under the general store. That's also is really it? cool, too. Nice. All right. So this, this playthrough, like I said, I'm just going to keep playing this even after this recording. Um, so I'll make sure to do those illicit business uh, quests. Hit hit the discord. (laughs) You're going to, you're going to regret you didn't do it the first time through. They're so great. I bet. (laughs) Yeah. So one of the, um, one of the only parts of this game that I can point to and say is like bad, actually bad on multiple levels is the Guarma chapter. Are you, you guys with me here? Do you think this is bad? That's where people complain about like the pacing. Like, why the fuck did we just shoehorn in this Gorma section? Like, what is any yeah. of this? Yeah. I yeah. would be I would be more on board with Gorma if you could go back there afterwards. But it's I don't think you can, can you? Like it's just basically your so. time there is there. And like you can't yeah. even like I don't know. It just feels out of, a little out of place. Feels and at that point too. And... Yeah, at that point too, you're like how many more things can happen to these folks? Like how many more times are we going to fail here? Like I'm ready to yeah. wrap up. And then they're like, how about a side time in Guarma? And I'm like, no. Yeah. Yeah. And you, yeah. It, it does the whole video game <laughs> trope too, where you've spent all this time, like building up your character and you've all these, and it strips you of everything. And it's like, ah, uh, that's a video game trope that like, I don't know, sometimes it works, <laughs> but I wasn't, I didn't need it in this game. I don't think. Yeah, no. I could have cut that and no one would have flinched. Uh, beautiful, beautiful, like, area yeah. though i guess did i guess look, did yeah. look dope <laughs> but the, but the juxtaposition is um in red dead one you end up going to mexico right like there's a mexico uh-huh. like a mexico part of the map and i really enjoyed that and it's part it like becomes ingrained like with what's happening in that storyline well, and yeah, i just think yeah. that, that like this almost felt like Guarma almost felt like dlc or something you know it's like yeah. it didn't need to be a part of it yeah it's in um in red dead one you're going to mexico to follow javier i think to try and catch mm-hmm. up with javier if I remember right in this game, it feels like they felt like they needed to like do a big shakeup or something, which I don't agree with. Um, and there are a couple of like story things that happen here to further erode the trust with Dutch. Sure. Like the reason you're there in the first place is because after your failed, um, you know, train or not train bank heist, I think, you're running away and you, you jump on a ship to hide and then the ship takes off and then it crashes and then you're in Guarma and that's not super necessary. And then the key thing there is that Dutch kills another innocent woman. Yeah. Um, and that's like the, one of the real breaking points with Arthur where he's like, she was not going to snitch on us. She, you know, <laughs> we're, we're leaving anyway. Like this is not I necessary. I can see it in her eyes, man. You're a chump. Yeah. <laughs> It was in cold blood too, like because she's she's leading you guys like a back entrance or yeah. something, and yeah, they, she's helping. You get to this ladder, and then and, Dutch kills her to cover their tracks. Right, basically. I think she's trying to maybe extort a little extra money or something like that, or maybe she was just trying to get paid for what she was. I don't know, but like, yeah, but yeah, like he that. he straight up mercs her, and Arthur's just like, what? Because <laughs> yeah. it goes that, against their code, this code that he's been talking right. about. I don't even think we really t- we talk about loyalty and stuff, but he's, Dutch got this code, right? Man's and, uh, got to have a code. Yep, yeah, and he's uh, not living by the code anymore. 
but that could have happened anywhere. So like this, yeah. this whole Guarma thing, like that shit could have happened in Saint Denis. We didn't need to go to Guarma for Dutch to kill an innocent person. And then another thing from the, uh, the, the Neil deGrasse or not Neil, De, Neil, Noah Caldwell Gervais, Neil deGrasse Tyson doesn't talk about Red like, Dead too. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Noah Caldwell Gervais, uh, essay that I kind of really stuck with me is that this game had an insane amount of crunch an insane yeah. amount of man hours in making it. You know that Guarma took a long fucking time to make and it's I super bet. unnecessary from a story perspective. It's a whole and it map. just makes it even worse <laughs> to think about, I feel like. It's like all new assets. Yeah. In every type of way. So yeah. Setting up, you know, setting up those fucking like tower defense sections where you're shooting mm-hmm. boats and stuff like that. It's just not necessary. It was just a very out of place with the rest of the game, right? So it's like, yeah. you know, you don't, could you shoot cannons or is it just big guns or what was the deal? Yeah. Like, yeah. You're shooting f- cannons at boats and stuff. Yeah. I wish I could be more. I mean, that sounds tight, right? But like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's whatever. It's going to sound <laughs> stupid, but it made the game feel unrealistic. Not that anything was particularly <laughs> realistic beforehand, but I'm, it, it felt uncanny almost. I'm like, what are we doing? Like what? It, right. it felt, superhero it felt even more video gamey than yeah. shooting 65 NPCs in Valentine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's cool that we're helping some revolutionaries, but like, what? I think yeah. that when I was doing my playthrough too, it was at this point where I just felt like, how are you? Like, why? 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 Well, you're just pushing it again. Like, why are we pushing it? We're just kicking the can down the road. Like, <laughs> I think we we're about to do the pod, and you're like, I just got to Gorma. I think I'm almost done. And I was like, oh, he doesn't even know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to ruin it for him, but he's got this whole thing ahead of him. Uh, <laughs> not necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so after Guarma, it, it, luckily it's not that long. It's only like 10 to 15 hours long, which is fucking crazy. Um, so after Guarma, they get back to the mainland, I suppose. Um, people have been living in a swamp without them. Uh, I like how the, the, the gang moves from like, there's this like upward trajectory of like nicer camps. The one in the mountains kind of sucked. Horseshoe overlook was okay. Um, I forget the name of the second camp. I just got there yesterday. I should have written it down, but it's, it's beautiful. Like the one next to the lake, super Mm -hmm. nice. Mm -hmm. And then they move to this like rundown house. And then they move to like this fucking swamp house. That's gross. Then they move to an actual cave. Like (laughs) also sucks. (laughs) And in chapter two, again, I'm playing this last night. There's a quote where Arthur literally says to Charles, something to the effect of like, Dutch is too proud. He'll never stoop down to living in a cave like some raiders. And oh, funny. it's like at hour like 13 in the game. And then thinking about hours and hours later, things have gotten so bad that you are actually living in a cave. You kill a bunch of raiders and take some, their cave some from inbred them. raiders. It's not <laughs> yeah. even a nice cave. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's a, a cave. cave. Yeah. Oh man. Dutch. <laughs> So it's really cool how like we have this, this slow burn of like the trust of the group is breaking down, but you're still together. They still sleep together. And so like, I like in those late chapters, it's a real bad vibe in the, in the camp. As you walk around, everyone's real mad at each other. People are arguing. People have like turned to alcohol. One of the, one of the camp women, I forget her name is a fucking alcoholic later in the game. Um, just, just real rough, uh, not even counting like the, the events that happen in the plot, just the vibe in the camp is awful. 
It is a big 180, whereas, you know, in those early camps, you wake up and Dutch is like maybe sipping on some coffee and he's like, hey, Arthur, come over he's playing, here. playing classical music in his tent. Right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. To, to what you got going on. Oh, man. I stick the plan. I had a plan. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Dutch. The many miles we walk. The many things we learn. Building of a shrine Only just to burn May the wind be at your back Good fortune touch your hand May the cards lay out a straight of uh the story is um well the end of arthur's story is we we talked about before dutch has abandoned literally abandoned john and arthur to die they both survive Uh, arthur takes it upon himself to go rescue abigail and to rescue john Uh, again he wants to make sure that their family makes it out and then um get back to the camp and there's a big confrontation between the group and people like kind of naturally take their sides. So it's like, it's Arthur and John versus Dutch and Micah um, and some of the others. And then the fucking Pinkertons attack right then and there too. So it becomes this, uh, just this chaos and sets up like the end of the game. So I don't know. I'll just turn it over to you guys. What did you guys think of like the, the whole ending sequence with Arthur's story? Well, because we're nice guys, we all had the nice little heroic goodbye. But I know if you're a bad guy, you get your face like blown in on top of the fact that you're dying up there. Do you? I believe so. Up in the mountain. Yeah. I've been told once again, I'm just too nice of a guy. So you have a more peaceful, heroic, symbolic death versus the die like the worm that you are, John. (laughs) So like Arthur and John are trying to escape and you can either kind of stay behind to let John escape or you can just abandon john to go try and get some money or whatever but mm-hmm. um i can never leave john behind it's not you know it's not part of arthur's story in my opinion just feels like a thing there where if it's like yeah i don't i somehow made it to this point in the game but i don't like john or arthur or anybody then i can be an asshole but i don't know not me yeah a little bit a little bit before that whole sequence um like i i think it's in the cave camp or whatever where molly um, she might, she, maybe she was the one that got to drink him, but she clearly has this, like, she's in love with Dutch and Dutch keeps ignoring mm-hmm. her throughout. Um, but she gets to this point where, uh, at one point, whenever she, maybe she, the Pinkertons had her, but you don't know this. And then she ends up, I'm pretty sure she's hammered and she's just like, she's like, I told the Pinkertons where we were, where you guys were. And then, mm-hmm. um, and then one of the other members of the gang, I think it's Miss Grimshaw or something. She, she shoots her <laughs> right on the spot yeah. because that's like part of their code. Um, and, uh, Dutch doesn't even really seem to care, uh, which again, like leans into this whole fact that he just like, does he really care about all these folks? Um, 
which, uh, you know, that was that was a bummer uh, to see, especially at this point in the game where she may have said something. But you've kind of figured it out by now that it's that it's Micah who's really um, the one that ratted you guys out. Dutch clearly knows as well. So. And it's yeah, right because there's like this underlying like. But it's interesting because because Micah is, you know, quote unquote, loyal to Dutch or whatever. Um but he's the only one that's listening to Dutch right now at this point. So, you know, Dutch is leaning on him still. And it's that's a hard part of the game as, you know, someone who's been watching this story unfold to just know that that Micah is fucking everybody over <laughs> and Dutch is still like looking to Micah as the one that is gonna help him out of this mess. Um mm-hmm. and that brings, you know, that and that and eventually brings you up to the top of the mountain to the scene where where Arthur's story does end. And there's a, at least the way that it sounds like we played it through, um, you know, Arthur and they're the three of them. It's kind of like a, a standoff where they're all kind of looking at each other. And uh, basically, you know, Micah goes his way, Dutch goes his way and they just leave Arthur to die. Uh, but it is a it's a really beautiful set. I took some screenshots because <laughs> it like it, you know, it slowly pans out and you kind of watch the last breath of, uh, you know, go out of Arthur. And it's really beautiful. Um, the game probably could have ended there. <laughs> but well one but of my doesn't. one of my biggest <laughs> criticisms is the fact that you can't start the game and just play open world simulation style like you have to go through and slowly unlock everything like mm-hmm. so i kind of like the end of the game they open up an entire section of the map that was never opened to mm-hmm. prior which i i find frustrating because i want to get into all the side stuff right away so i actually kind of wish they'd let you play like a new game plus where you just start from the beginning you have all your stuff and you can just explore the world that's one of my mm-hmm. biggest frustrations. I think that's what Red so. Dead Online is, to be Word. fair. Yeah. <laughs> Word. No, I don't yeah. like it. I told you I don't like it. I've never tried yeah, it, yeah. but I don't like it. No, same, same. Yeah. Um, even even point, me, when I, um, when I booted it up, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go fishing, but you don't unlock fishing until like 10 hours into the game. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Um, so that last part with um, Arthur and Micah fighting, um, it, it's really interesting because Arthur's too sick to fight at this right. point. And there was a, a kind of buildup. It's been going on for several hours at this point where Arthur is clearly really sick. Everyone knows he's sick and Micah is like bullying him for it. He calls him black lung throughout like the last black chapter lung. of the game. Um, and then you get in a fight with him at the end and you, you think like, you know, I've won every fist fight I've been in this. I'll be able to take care of this, but Arthur just can't do it. He can't fight anymore. So Micah pretty easily beats him. And then Dutch shows up and Arthur kind of looks at, you have this scene where you're crawling for your gun actually. And uh, Dutch steps on it. It's one of those Mm -hmm. where you're crawling for the gun, but you know, like you're never going to grab it. It's like that horror movie thing. Right. So Arthur steps or Dutch steps on the gun, just kind of leaves him there. Um, And then, yeah, it, it's a really unceremonious death, uh, kind of both for Arthur and his type of person, you know, as the world and civilizations moving on. But yeah, he takes his last breath. The sun rises. Um, I saw the deer and it, it is a really, really beautiful touching ending. The song that plays there is really beautiful too. Yeah. I don't think, uh, I, I did see it in your notes, Dave, but we didn't, I don't even, you know, we can talk about this game for the next three days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh but the, the music I, I agree with you the music there is it's really powerful and this game did a really good job because it's 
you know, to, to, to juxtapose it with Grand Theft Auto again, where you're in your car and you can change radio stations. And I, I do enjoy that, like integration of music into that game. But in this game, it's obviously the Wild West. So like you mentioned earlier in camp where Dutch is spinning records or whatever. Um, so there's that, but then beyond that, the storytelling music that, that they incorporate is really interesting. It comes out in some of the cinematics and it comes out in really key, uh, points of the, the storytelling of this game. That being one place in particular, there's a few other spots where, um, where the music really kicks in and because it's kind of sparse throughout the game, it makes it so much more powerful when it kicks in, it, it like really mm-hmm. elevates and, and kind of, uh, raises the stakes of whatever section that, that, that it does pop into. Yeah. There's a, there's another horse ride uh, real late mm-hmm. in the game. I think it's when you're riding back to the cave camp from a train robbery or something like that. Yep. Maybe when you thought John had died um, and it plays a song as you ride your ass all the way back, like five minutes from right. the spot back to your camp and it plays this song. It's super beautiful. Um, it, Death Stranding is another game that does this really well where there's no music for most of it, or it's like super, super sparse. And then when like a song kicks in, you, you feel the, uh, the emotional weight of that and the moment that you're in. So yeah, I, I had been meaning to mention the soundtrack in the non-spoiler part. We just, I think we skipped over it and then I forgot Uh soundtrack by Woody Jackson. Great job. Um, uh, a lot of those like big action moments get those kind of like Western style horns that jump in. Um, it's, it's really nice, really good music. It is cool. So what do you guys think about the way the story ended for Arthur? Did you, did you dig the kind of unceremonious way that it ended? I thought it was nice. I thought it, you know, I did think I have the, I'm like torn on it because I really enjoyed playing as Arthur and, uh, you know, from some of my comments, it makes it sound like I hated the epilogue. I didn't hate the epilogue. I just like really enjoyed Arthur. So it was hard for me to, when I started not wanting to play with him, it was really hard for me to let him go, you know? Uh, but it made, but it also like really the way that he did die though. And the way, and the fact that at least in the way that I'd played out the game, uh, the fact that he, that John did get away, like I felt like he had that final win. At least he had that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I did enjoy that and he gave it all, he gave it, he gave it everything he had. He gave, you know, and at the end, like all Arthur really cared about and what he, at least what he was pushing and putting all of his like effort into was loyalty to the gang. The gang kind of disintegrated. Dutch kind of went off the rails. Uh, but Arthur still was loyal to John. He was still loyal to the family aspect of it. And I, it was cool to see that play out. Uh, and it was, it was sad to see him go, but it was uh, kind of like, it made me happy to see that the guy like had one final little win. Uh, the only thing I'd change is I wish you could like kill Micah first as him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the parallels between the epilogue of Red Dead 1 and Red Dead 2 are pretty strong. I mean, you literally take over as Marston's son to kill, is that the Pinkertons at the end of the first one? Like the agency that forces you the to do agents. all of it. Yeah. yeah. So that's cool. So I, I don't have any grievances. I think it's cool. Yeah. I, I kind of like in a poetic way how... Arthur dies, you know, quietly, weakly, you know, um, like I said, it's kind of the parallel between his story and then like the greater story they've been talking about their way of life is dying. And, um, you know, those, those go out unceremoniously too. There's not going to be a big battle between the outlaws and the, uh, the lawmen. And then at the end of it, the lawmen win and there's no more outlaws. It just kind of quietly dies out. And that's that's how Arthur's story ended too. But he did succeed in his last goal of getting John out safely. 
Uh, meanwhile, Dutch and Mike go out into hiding. So we get into the epilogue of uh, Red Dead 2. And in the epilogue, like you said, we play as John. And this was a shock to me. I had no idea that this would happen. I played this for the first time in 2020, I think. And I, I managed to not get spoiled on it. So nice. you play as John and um, it's really, you go from like the action of the last, you know, five hours of Arthur's story, you know, train heist, shoot out with the Pinkertons, fight with Micah, die, all that stuff. <laughs> and then it's, it's John trying to lead an honest life, um, just doing tedious like delivery jobs he gets a job as a ranch hand um kind of interesting how you go straight from the outlaw life into like the you know the straight and narrow life and it kind of sucks like and i think there's a point to it it's like it's not super fun to shovel shit as john for several hours right no i that is that is that is true and part of so like and i think that john really does like you know we mentioned earlier that he you know, we don't see this part in the beginning of the game, but he, he just left for like a month or whatever and wasn't there for his family. And I think that by this point in the game, when you're starting to play as him, like family is pretty important. Um, and I think he picked up a lot of that from his interactions with, with Arthur, but mm-hmm. <laughs> what it drove me nuts though, because you can tell that he's trying, uh, but his, what's his wife's name again? Abigail. Abigail? Yeah. So Abigail's, oh man, she really irked me <laughs> because she like, at one point she even leaves him. She's like uh-huh. takes her son and leaves. And I was like, this dude is doing everything he can to try and like make this shit work. And it's nothing's enough. And he has to, be, and he ends up building like, it's, it's cool. Like, I mean, that's not cool. That was messed up. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I think I texted Luke when that happened to me. I was like, this bitch just left me. I was like, you kidding me? <laughs> like, like I'm she, trying, I'm trying so she hard. Leaves him after he, he like falls into his old ways and like shoots up another ranch next door. Does he fall into his old, like, I feel like, you know, come on, like throw the, throw the, throw the guy a bone. Like these, these dudes come in and they start attacking the ranch. And yeah, he just like yeah. shoots back. It, it's like, come it's on. not like his idea to go <laughs> just like kill all of them and rob them or something. He's kind of defending the ranch that he works at, but yeah, yeah, I get it. Uh, this is an aside, but it's, it's kind of funny. I was, uh, I was on the YouTubes. <laughs> and the the YouTube like the title is like John catches Ab- Abigail cheating, <laughs> and uh, so there's a part where you know when they're doing the whole like uh, when they're on that ranch um, before they build the, before John builds his own, she gets a job in town at the bank or she's some doing not the bank she gets a job in town. Um, and she's so basically she's like I'm gonna go I'm gonna go to my job, <laughs> and in this YouTube video. Uh, the guy goes into town and goes to where she's supposed to be working, but there's like a sign on the door that says gone fishing. <laughs> and, and so like, I mean, she's not actually cheating on him, but like, that was the joke. Like, she's not even there. <laughs> uh, but that's that like, I don't know, like it, like I, it works, it works out for them um, for now anyways. Uh, but that did it like bug me. I was just like, what do you mean? Like, how's this, how's, is he really falling into his old ways or is he just like protecting you guys in the ranch? <laughs> I think there's a point in the early parts of the epilogue when he was resisting falling into the old ways. And then you do get mm-hmm. in that, that big fight with the, like the rival ranchers or whatever. And like John fucks them all up as you do. And then there's a, a scene where like he, he ends one of the firefights uh, literally like pointing the gun in their face in the exact same pose as the first game's cover. Oh, and so cool. I think that's the point where John is like, you know what? Like maybe I can't 
escape this. Um, or maybe he just gives into it uh, momentarily, but he's still like, I think he realizes that he enjoys that life more than he wants to admit. And that he, he can't just be a ranch hand forever, yeah. you know? And, he, and he's good at it. You know, I think that's one of those yeah. tough things too. Um, it's interesting too. So there's a point where, where, um, is it Sadie? Sadie's the, the woman in the beginning, right? And mm-hmm. then she ends up being the bounty hunter. She's a really cool character. I really liked her character arc as well, but she ends up finding Micah and it's like towards the end of the the epilogue. And, mm-hmm. you know, basically it's one of these things where, where John's the dude wants revenge. And, uh, you know, as a player, you want revenge too. Like Luke was talking about it. He's like, I wish he could have taken Micah out earlier. So you finally mm-hmm. get your chance to, to go meet Micah. But even then Abigail's like, doesn't want him to go. She doesn't put up a huge fight. I think she gets it a little bit like, but that's like at the point though, where John finally is like, no, like <laughs> this is something I have to do. Yeah. Uh, One last job. Yep. Yeah. For now. <laughs> so that kind of, sets up like before that happens though um you, you i think luke you mentioned earlier you uh you'd build a house with fucking uncle and um sick music video yeah yeah who, <laughs> who else is there is it charles i think it is charles yeah charles um charles there's a, a yeah well. but there's like a montage video of like you know this 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 country song and they're fucking building a house together and there's there's bloopers and there's, you know, someone like hits their shin on a, on a two by four and shit and they jump around and uncle's taking a nap when everyone's working. And it's, it's kind of this nice comedic, you know, lighthearted, like montage building their house that ends up being John's house from red dead one. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's going that far as to set up the events of, um, of red dead one. And then you do get the tip on uh, Dutch and Micah where they are. So John heads out for revenge and it sets up like a really interesting, uh, like final climax for the game. Totally. And I think that whole, that whole stretch, like, you know, when you're on, when you're a ranch hand and then when you're kind of like, when you go buy that plot of land that, you know, John ends up taking out a loan from the bank and everything. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a big section of the game and, you know, I think it is, it's pivotal for setting up, you know, the red dead, the original red dead, you know, cause this is a prequel, um, so I do, I do respect it for that. I think, I think way back when we started, Dave, you kind of mentioned, and I agree hundred percent, like playing this all the way through, I just wish so much that I could keep it running. I mean, I guess I technically could play Red Dead one, but it'd be hard, it'd be hard to pick that one up after playing this with the, the quality mm-hmm. of life and the controls and everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, after I did finish this the first time, uh, Red Dead one, it was on PS now. So I did boot it up like right after and it's real different. Sure. It's, um, it, I was amazed at how fast, uh, your character moves in that game. It felt like, it felt like you're fucking Sonic playing oh. <laughs> Red Dead One compared to the, how fast you move in this game. So it was interesting to jump in, but I never, um, I never got through to like actually play much into it. Now that I can emulate PS3, I might try and see if there's like a good, like, you know, a ROM and like some, some texture mods or something like that to make it look a little bit better. But I'm interested in replaying Red Dead 1 sometime because, um, I'm after, maybe after I finish this Red Dead 2 replay, um, I'll get to it. But anyway, the, uh, the big shootout, not, well, shootout and then confrontation, uh, with, with Dutch and Micah. And it's, it's interesting how this one ends too, because it's not exactly what you thought it would be, um, 
you kind of fight your way up through Micah's goons up on this mountain where they're holed up. And you have this standoff uh, between Micah and John. Micah grabs Sadie and is like holding her hostage or whatever. And Dutch walks out of the um, like the shack up there. And he's looking, he doesn't look like Dutch anymore. Like he looks a little bit rough. He's not as boisterous. He, he looks a little bit defeated at that point. Um, and then you want nothing more than to kill Micah, but you don't Dutch kills Micah. He betray he right. kind of betrays him in like a very ends up being a very Dutch thing to do. Right. And that's, and then Dutch just kind of like hands up, walks away. And that's kind of how this ends. That's how it sets up what's going on in red dead one. Totally. And, um, yeah, that was, I don't know. I guess I was just happy to see Micah die, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, yeah. it, but you're right. Sure. Like I was like, oh man, you don't even get to do it. Uh, but that Dutch thing, I think it's just like, I think at that point, because they've got all the money, right? Or they've, they've landed some big score. I think that was one big thing. So he leaves you the money, which is interesting because this whole, you know, leading up to the epilogue and everything, Dutch is all about that one last big score. And by this point, mm-hmm. I just think he realized that maybe he fucked up. Like, um, or maybe he didn't. I don't know. Maybe he just doesn't care anymore. But, um, but cause he, cause you get to, you get to take the spoils home. And I think that's when you pay off the ranch and everything like that. Yep. But, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a really, it's a cool scene and a good capper. You can keep playing the game, which I, which I enjoy. Cause that's, you know, I load it up and it's right around. I also have a save file where I, you know, can load up Arthur if I'm, if I'm feeling nostalgic for Arthur, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but I do think that was a, it's a, you know, it's a bittersweet ending, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, it's happy for John, but it's also, you don't quite get the closure. I think that you know, maybe you'd like, um, with those characters, but, but I think it works. That's what happens in red dead one is you finally get closure. Well, kind of with those other characters with Dutch in particular. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it was a really climactic moment and I liked that. And then I liked how, I don't know if this is like directly before or after the, the confrontation with Dutch and Micah, but um, John has a really sweet quest where he goes into town with Abigail and proposes to her and they do like a, a photo shoot. And John is like very uncomfortable with everything. Um, I thought that was super cute and kind of just winds down to like a relative period of calm. I feel like, like I, I, I got the sense that there was a really calm period of just regular life for John and Abigail in between the end of this game and then how things start in Red Dead One, totally it, it weaves into the the first game super well, and yeah. I think that's I think that's why you know I I think earlier I was kind of you know I have my I have my qualms with the epilogue, but I think it's I think it is necessary for weaving the two together, or at least it really helps. Um, I think it's and I think it's well worth it, but I think because it's such a long game, <laughs> it does feel like I mean it feels long by that point. Like why when you're when you get to that point, you're like, I, I really got it in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Second playthrough, I didn't even do it. I was like, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I went through Guam. And you know, I, I think that if the game ended when Arthur died and it was just your imagination for how John ended up in where he is at the beginning of Red Dead 1, I think that your imagination would have been fine for you know what takes place. John gets out, they build a house, he's he's chilling, basically. But to see to see him actually take those steps in the epilogue, I think also works and also maybe gives you a little bit more appreciation for what Arthur did and 
how he kind of sacrificed himself and a lot of things to get John into that spot. And you get to kind of live that sacrifice for a little while. You can go back and visit Arthur's grave. Um, you can go visit everyone's grave who dies. They all have graves around the world. Um, and you can actually see off in the distance, you can see uh, Amarillo and some of the settings from Red Dead 1. You can't go there, but you can see them. Um, so that's kind of cool too. Little little teaser. So in the end, I came out kind of like you, like when the epilogue started, I was like, oh, I don't know about this. I was like, I thought we had a good ending point. But then after all of that, um, I, I think it does make some sense. Like I can see it both ways, I guess. So anything else about any other, you know, story thing or, um, you know, anything else, spoiler, full spoilers you guys want to talk about before we hang this up? I got my shots off. (laughs) No, I think we're good. (laughs) I think it's one of those games where there's so many, there's so many details, so many little things like we could go on for a long time and like, um, but I think it's ultimately, I think it's a great story. You know, it's one of the best, one of the best games I've ever played. And I think that, you know, I've I've played a lot of games. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't replay a lot of games, but I can see myself at some point beating it a third time, especially if it's ported to like a newer system in the near-ish future, because I couldn't do it for a while now, but I can see doing the whole thing over again someday, and that's pretty rare. Yeah. So like sometimes when I do games on the podcast that I played in the last couple years and they're really long, I will be like, um, I remember how the gameplay goes. I can talk about the gameplay. And then I can watch a YouTube story recap to get the story back um, and kind of write down the notes and remember how I felt during those things. And I booted up Red Dead 2 just to, I wanted to just feel how the gameplay felt for like a couple hours just to really get back into it and kind of refresh before we recorded. But then I just found myself continuing to play and continuing to play. And suddenly it's, you know, 15 hours, I'm in chapter three and we're recording tomorrow. So I was like, it, it's <laughs> interesting how it kept me going. Even I know exactly where this story is going, but it's all laid out so well that I still want to play it because I'm going to get new things from it the second time. And that's a pretty high compliment to give to a lot of video game stories, you know? Right. I have, uh, you know, we we're talking about because it's a Rockstar game, you know, obviously all the Grand Theft Autos. And I've played Grand Theft Auto 3 over a, a few times. And, you know, Vice City a couple times. And I've only done Grand Theft Auto 4 once, once all the way through, um, most recently. But it's not a game, like, I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to return to those story beats. Like, you know, yeah. I don't really need, you know, I, I enjoyed my time with that game and all those games, but like the story's what it is. And I just think that, um, that this story, the Red Dead story is, it's worthwhile. You know, it's, it's, uh, it, there's just a lot more to it make a good movie or hbo series yeah yeah i think it would um because i think that the strength of the the game is the story and the characters and all of that stuff i've been thinking lately about game to hbo or whatever adaptations because of the last of us show and how i think the last of us show is pretty good but it's it's just there's something missing in my opinion um so I've been thinking about that, and I, 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 I think that if there is a game that would translate better than The Last of Us, it might be Red Dead Two because, like, the clear winner is the characters and like the slice of life stuff that they could really focus on in an HBO show. You know, Arthur chilling in camp or whatever. 
Um, I think that stuff would translate well. So I think, think I'm on board with that too. Guys, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a an awesome recording. It's been everything I wanted from this. I really appreciate it. Hey, man, we really appreciate the invite. Uh, I love the work that you do. Um, so it's it's a real treat to be able to uh, to be on here talking about one of the greatest games of all time with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, again, I, I will recommend that everybody listening check out Low 5 Gaming. Um, I, I really appreciate what you guys too. The monthly book club is... It's a lot easier to keep up on than the weekly book clubs uh, that are around podcast land. So again, a recommendation for everyone to check that out. Thank you again, Alex and Luke, for taking two and a half hours out of your time to talk Red Dead 2 with me. Uh, Much appreciated. And everyone listening, thank you. Tune in next week for the next game to come out of the backlog. Lenny! Well, let me have a rule and a saw and a board and I'll cut it. I'll climb up a ladder with a hammer and a nail, and I'll nail it. Well, we worked so hard to build a little house together. In the snow or the rain or the ice cold wind, whenever. No matter what the weather, we're together.